0: We really ought to credit Ellen Steckert for the next one because she she learned it and recorded it once and we heard her sing it here at the uh, meeting of the Northeast Folklore Society down at Sturbridge Village a whole month or so ago, and we just wanted to learn it. We crossed the broad Pecos, forded the Noochas, swam the Guadalupe. We followed the Brazos Red River runs rusty, the witch it all clear down by the Brazos I courted my dear Lye, la, la, le, 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 give me your hand. Lye, la, 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 Many a river that waters the land. The sweet Angelina runs glossy and gliding. The crooked Colorado runs weaving and winding. The slow San Antonio courses the plain, and I never will walk by the Brazos again. La, 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 li, 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 give me your hand. La, 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 li, 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 give me your hand. La, la, li, 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 give me your hand.
1: There's many Here we I'll are, ladies and gentlemen, back, Esoteric America, Episode 13. I'm here with my highly esteemed co-hosts, Tara to the left of me, Roman. And Chad, right here in front of me, Roman, host of the Rising from the Ashes <laughs> podcast, co-host with the great Danunaki, and Chad, of course, is the man be- behind uh, Detroit Stargates. I don't know if he built them, but he definitely <laughs> discovered and deciphered the code, the mystery over there in Detroit. How are you both doing today?
0: Doing good, doing good. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> I didn't build them, but I was the one who came
1: (laughs) Roman. How about yourself, brother?
2: Oh man, I'm doing great. Um, just wrapping up here on the farm here in California and, uh, getting ready to pack my bags and move out or head out, uh, east, heading to Florida here in like hopefully a month's time. so super stoked, man. And, uh, Ready to ready to dive into Austin because um, after Emily broke my brain on Austin city limits just now, like there's a there's a it's a lot. There's actually a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot about this town about this city uh, that rings bells. So I'm stoked, man. Yeah. How are you, Mark? How are you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm great. This episode, as you alluded to, is very fascinating. We talked with Emily Moyer about the great city of Austin, which has become very popular lately, ever since Rogan uh, moved there with all of his renegade comic friends uh, to avoid the California that you're still somehow a part of. You're still stuck there, <laughs> but uh, that's all right. We got to do an episode real soon on where you're from or at least close to where you're from i don't know if we want to talk about san francisco or the mount shasta area or wherever whatever little nook and cranny you find yourself in i think the emerald triangle Mm -hmm. of california is very interesting it was like wasn't yeah. the first triangle mm-hmm. I've heard of. I heard of the Bermuda Triangle first, but I definitely it was definitely the triangle I wanted to visit the most. Uh, especially <laughs> after we, have a, we have <laughs>
2: get we we come bearing gifts as opposed to like sucking you into the ocean. We're like, well, yeah, hey, I,
1: here's a bunch of sweet greenery for you. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. sasquatches. Well, I yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of esoteric stuff there, and um, I don't know. After talking to recluse diving is uh
2: is something that like I that gold rush and the Freemasons and the gold rush mm. alone, like this these mountainsides for that is something that I'm really interested in. So right. I will get I will get my ass on it, I promise you, sir. I
1: will not wonderful. Let's and, do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to continue this show. We had a little bit of a hiatus over the past month or so. Uh, we won't say exactly why that was, but uh, people can make a, a guess based on where Roman lives, what he's been doing during the harvest season. Anyways, uh, so <laughs> today's episode, yeah. very fascinating. Yeah. We talk about the Gateway experience, which was uh, an aspect of the several projects conducted by the cia stanford research association our institute and other groups um robert monroe sort of loosely associated with that also somehow uh but yeah that's all on the precipice for you viewers and listeners um i don't know should we give them any more info or should we let them go
0: I think we should drop the special dream where Joe Rogan guides (laughs) Emily Moyer to the cemetery that's aligned to the state capitol.
1: I love it. Yes, that is something that was probably the least expected uh, for today. I did not expect Joe Rogan to be in Emily Moyer's dream, but it led her to a very strange place, so... Folks, go to chadstemkey.com. Check out his book, *Stargate Detroit*. Go over to the Rising from the Ashes podcast, support the homie, Romy, and check out MyFamilyThinkSomeCrazy.com. And while you're at it, tell your friends about Esoteric America. Maybe you don't want to be on the show, but maybe you know someone who does. We're looking for you. We're looking for people to tell us about what's strange, weird, paranormal, or esoteric wherever they find themselves in this strange, strange North and South America. We're not limited to just North America, okay, or the United States for that matter, right? We we want to hear from our Canadian, Mexican friends, everybody all the way down to Chile and, and Argentina, uh, so hit us up, be on the show, Esoteric America Podcast at gmail.com, all one word, no spaces, and we're also esotericamerica at Instagram, so uh, enjoy the show, folks. Emily Moyer crushes it and... Uh, I don't know this made me want to go to Austin. I mean, when we talked to recluse and, oh, and going. Jeff we are going. you know Wisconsin sounds a little creepy compared to what we had in the store in <laughs> Austin. I don't know. I don't want to end up going through a, a portal or a gateway but I've already said too
0: much. Down by the process she left me alone. Lie, 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 give me your hand. Lie, 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 give me your hand.
3: Lie, lie,
0: lie, give me your hand. There's many a river. little river, they're plump and they're pretty. The Sabine and Sulfur have many a beauty. Down by the Natchez, there's girls by the score, but I never will walk by the brasses no more.
4: Lie,
1: lie, 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 lie,
0: give me your hand.
1: Lie, lie, lie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Esoteric America. I am here. You know me, Mystic Mark, with Chad and Roman back again for another episode. Tara may be joining us at some point. She's floating around. I think she's looking for her headphones. Uh, And today we have a wonderful guest who's going to be giving us a very esoteric tour of where she currently is in Austin, Texas. Emily Moyer, welcome to the show. For those who may not be familiar with you, uh, can you please give us a little intro on uh, your show and where folks can find you?
5: Sure, absolutely. My name is Emily Moyer and you can find most of my, like the YouTube channel leads to everything else. I have a variety of different shows and podcasts I do on my own with co-hosts on various themes ranging from Nutrition to synchromysticism, conspiracy, occult athletics, all kinds of like, you know, uh, languaging, all kinds of different stuff. Um, But it's there. And my earlier work can all be found on what used to be the off planet media YouTube channel. But I think he changed the name to Randy Moggins off planet TV. Um, but it's still there. The five, you know, the seven, from like twenty sixteen to twenty twenty is there. And then the last couple of years is on my YouTube channel. It's just my name. And from there you can link to the Rockfin, Patreon, locals, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And my website is emilycmoyer.com You can find all my links there as well as like I do storytelling consultations, health, nutrition, life coaching, all that kind of stuff. So yeah.
1: Right on. Well You may or may not be familiar with how we generally do things around here, but we like to invite folks like yourself who are seasoned in this research, but we also invite people who've never done a podcast before. And we emphasize that they do research into their own, uh, local area wherever they may find themselves or just an interesting place in general. And, uh, Yeah, we like to kind of start with a little 101. I think Austin has been on the forefront of culture over the past four years, so I don't think anybody really needs an introduction. We're kind of familiar for the most part, but is there anything that uh, in particular made you move to Austin, or are you a resident, a home, uh, have you always lived there?
5: So I'm born and raised in Los Angeles, but I have a very long relationship with Austin. This is the fourth time I've lived here. Um, And I think this is probably, I think this time I'm here to stay. Um, You know, and this, I think how I'm going to talk about Austin today, like I had one particular thing in mind that I was going to do. And when I started putting it together this morning, something else Opened up and showed itself to me, and when I'm led in a specific direction, I have to go, even though it's, even though it, like you know, maybe mm-hmm. a some plans mm-hmm. and and whatever. And um, the way that I'm going to present Austin is like through the lens of my relationship with the city. And I think that is one of the unique things about Austin. It's not, I think there are other cities that are like this too, and all kinds of other locations. But I actually think um, in this particular case, I've lived in lots of cities all over the world, but I have never developed the kind of relationship with a city that I have with Austin. I have a different relationship with Los Angeles, which I also have a special place in my heart for, um, and maybe sometime we'll talk on this show again about Los Angeles or about Chatsworth in particular, because that's a rabbit hole that goes to the inner earth. Um, but, uh, I I don't feel um, like I'm in a give and take relationship with any of the other locations that I've ever been the same way I do with Austin. And I actually think that that is what is giving rise to both the, really wonderful organic parts about Austin's rise. And then also the parts that people like us know, you know, sometimes um, have something else going on along with them. That is like pushing and steering in a direction that isn't necessarily nature's way. Right. Um, So that's the way I'm going to sort of present that. So I'm not from Austin, but I have been visiting Austin since 1995. I had my first trip to Austin in 1995 to actually visit a family that I had known in Los Angeles, like the family, the daughter went to the same gym that I did for gymnastics and was younger than me. And I ended up developing a relationship with this family where I like babysat the kids a lot and might um, like watch them after school. And then they took classes at the same gym that I trained at. So it would like drive them to the gym. Right. And then they do their thing and I'd stay for my workout. And by the time the parents were off of work, they were picking them up. But I hadn't thought about this this way until recently, they actually live on the other side of the sort of canyon or valley that I discuss a lot in my conversations with Michael and other people about the area in Chatsworth that, that is, you know, I think uh, one of the most overlooked esoteric spots in the United States and possibly the world, just based on the amount of strange things that go on in this place that most people don't really know about. A few people are starting to pick up on it but they literally lived on the other side of, we'll call it that sort of like base or that sort of, you know, anomalous, you know, uh, space. Um, And I would go to their house like almost on a daily basis most weeks. Right. And so it was part of that reality for me there. And then they moved here because the father accepted a job with a company that a, a natural health company at that time called guiltless gourmet that was making like, the first fat-free chips and stuff like that back in the, the 90s. So they came here and I started visiting them. And it was a much different place in 1999 in some ways. But in other ways, it's exactly the same, right? It's, it's you know, way more people here. It's totally, like, grown into something that some people really like and some people really hate. But there's some of these Uh, Some of the underlying DNA is still very, very strong in this city if you kind of have the eyes to see it. In fact, some of the points that I noticed on my very first trip to Austin um, are still with me and I use them as check in points for seeing like what's going on still to this day that I noticed back then. Um, so I've been visiting from 1995 and, and, I would come like once a year to visit them or something. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, I came to visit them in 1999. And I, while I was there, I went to like a sort of semi concert, semi rave at the Austin city music hall. And, uh, from that moment, I decided I had to move to Austin. <laughs> like, I can't explain to you exactly what the thought train was there, but something, resonated and at the time i really thought it was the the music or the party and now i understand it was the location it was where the austin city music hall was located and what that location does what that coordinate means and what it stands for um but i remember like they dropped me off there and they picked me up and like they dropped me off. I was going to a concert. They picked me up. I was moving to Austin. <laughs> right. Um, and so I did. And I moved here. Like, I think I tricked my parents into giving me, cause I was already an adult by this point. I was like 25, but not with a lot of money or anything like that. So I like tricked my parents into helping me move here by saying I was going to go back to school, which I did for like a very short time at UT, but pretty much I got swept up in what at that time was, Um, a very good and very active dance music scene here. Um, And that really framed like the initial, my initial first experience of Austin. Um, So I moved here in 1999 and I moved here with, with a job and with admittance to school, but without a place to live. And so when I arrived, um, we had booked, like my mom came with me and we had booked one of these, um, hotels that is like you know like just like the Homewood Suites or like Residence Inn where you, like you're staying it's like a little apartment and you're staying there for like a week, but the area that we stayed in it was off something called Research Boulevard, which got my attention at the time. And not until I moved back to Austin this time did I realize that the neighborhood that that is in is actually called the Gateway neighborhood and. The way i'm going to sort of look at the esoteric aspects of austin Mm -hmm. today is through the lens of the gateway experience which i'm guessing that you all are are familiar with so like i'm going to propose basically and, and offer anecdotes and receipts and photographs and evidence that austin is the mystical toponomical layout of the gateway experience And it's gone from something that is a psychological thing in terms of like military application to something that can be experienced through coordinates, geocaching, and then a person's ability. You know, like not everyone can do it. Lots of people can't. It's not necessarily like special per se, but it's like a weird combination of things that would bring a person to have the experience and then recognize they're having the experience and, and give it weight and credit and not just be like, Oh, some weird thing happened to me. And I'm not even going to tell anyone because, you know, because of whatever, you don't want to be people to think you're crazy or you're just going to chalk it up to like you were on drugs or whatever it is. Right. So I arrived at the gateway and I'm going to show, I have uh, a whole special set of windows here pulled up for, um, for people. And so uh, the gateway area of Austin is right here. So it's just where this, I'm going to make it a little bit bigger, um, but it is just where this like dotted red line is here. Like just this very, it's in this like triangle, right? So it's in a triangle and there's some other people who have spoken about this area of Austin um, in sort of similar ways that we we talk about it. And one of them for sure is um, Allison McDowell, who's spoken about the JJ people mm. research campus that exists uh, in this area that is directly next to, um, directly next to the gateway neighborhood. And then right above and across the street from the gateway neighborhood is now a, one of these like very weird planned communities called the domain that has like apartments and hotels and shopping mall and, and corporate headquarters and things all in this like very small area. And I'm going to say that I think there is a natural gateway experience in Austin. And then I think they're trying to create a controlled one, right? Like a, a, a sort of uh, a one that they can tinker with. They have recognized that this area holds those possibilities, but that it is, uh, universe or source or whatever that holds the, the control strings for that. And you know, that's these the, these people love to play God. And so they have to have mm-hmm. a miniature one that they can control themselves. And that would be what I call, what is the domain up here? I would later move back to this area in a different time living in Austin, a, a few years later. But when I first moved to Austin, I came through the gateway here. I stayed there for a week until I moved downtown. Okay. And I'm going to just shrink this a little bit so you guys can see um, that the point right here of the gateway points directly to the Capitol. It is directly in line. The point right there, the chess piece on the game board is right there, right? And the gateway is pointing right at it. And the, the Capitol is on Congress. But I would say that the gateway is really pointed at this entire area that exists between Mopac on, on the West, I-35 on the, uh, on the East, and then on both sides of the, of the, the river, they call it the lake, but it's really the river. Um, It's, it's the Colorado river in Texas dammed off into seven lakes around Austin, but downtown you have Lake Austin over here and you have what used to be called town Lake here that is now called lady bird Lake. Okay. So all of this is directly downstream. In fact, pointed like an arrow down to this area. So I moved to Austin and here's a, I'm going to zoom in quicker on the a map of, of downtown Austin. And I immediately moved to <clears throat> this area that was on Congress Avenue. So I lived on Congress Avenue right here. I'm going to just expand it so you guys can see. Like I lived right about here. Okay. Just pretty much there's a, the apartment building was here. It stretched back here, but the address was on Congress. Um, and one really weird thing that happened when I moved into this apartment was my mother, who I didn't know knew anything about computers, went out and bought me a gateway computer that she set up and installed things on in my apartment, a gateway computer, right? Mm. Okay. And she installed some funny um, kind of internet system that wasn't like regular internet. It seemed like it had something to do with the U- University of Texas, but it was also, like, it was weird to me that she was doing this. Like, this is not a person who had ever displayed any ability to do anything with a computer other than email, right? So I was a little bit taken aback at this, but glad she knew how to do it because I certainly didn't and I needed the computer. But there had not been some conversation that, like, I was going to move to Austin and she was going to buy me a computer for school or something, right? It was just like she went out and bought the computer, the gateway, and set it up. And, of course, if you guys hmm. did notice – Uh, And I didn't know that I never thought about this. Like I noticed it when I lived there, but I didn't think about it. The neighborhood sits right above Monroe and the gateway experience is from the Monroe Institute. Right. And so (laughs) Monroe also happens to be the name of my grandfather and the name of my niece who's named after my grandfather and my (laughs) grandfather Monroe, his brother's name is Robert. And they're from the area of the East coast where the Monroe Institute is. So I don't know what that means, but I do know that mystical toponymy and synchro mysticism are large based on largely based on word games and rearranging words in space and time to sort of encode or decode or, or represent different things. So here I am on Congress Avenue, um, right in the the heart of downtown Austin um, and directly up the street from me across the river you can just walk it's not that far is the capital now um michael and i didn't which has like a funny shape right you guys see this shape here right yeah it kind of looks like
1: a like a pelvis or like a like a buckle or something like just the center area like that you know
5: yeah. So when Michael and I were looking in this and and uh, about a year and a half ago on episode number 14 of playing the glass bead game, which is a a, a private series, but I'm actually I'm going to make uh, that episode available to your viewers so people can go sort of check out where we like what we were talking about then. And then I'm, I'm going to add some new stuff to it today because the loop sort of I don't want to say closed because I think it's always open, but something came full circle. Playing, yes, Herman has playing the glass bead game, right? Which is, you know, a sort of disciplined approach. Uh, I think to like a level of 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 synchronisticism, recording your synchronism mysticism in a way that other people can study in their own in their own way later. Make with make something of it that is different than what you did with it, but playing with the same ideas, right? So Michael pulls up some weird uh map that he has from I can't remember the guy's name. I was looking for it today. Some site that he likes that shows how all the things are connected and the alternative media and all that kind of stuff, but also like how all the like occult ideas and esoterics and characters and entities and stuff are connected. And he sort of pulled it up and we sort of like laid it over on or just looked at simultaneously this connective map and Austin. And both and where it was on the map the very center character on that map looked a lot like this and it said it was Pindar right so we have another later episode episode 30 i believe of playing the glass bead game called Pindar and the Violet Crown and the Violet Crown is something that i had originally considered i was i was going to do kind of like Uh, a little bit on gateway and a little bit on violet crown here today but then what i fell into this morning just really synchronistically told me it had to be gateway all the way and maybe we'll do violet crown another time Um, but i'll include that episode as well because it, it it lays out basically we were kind of making the case that that austin is is sort of this occulted metaphysical map and also, uh, we were, I can't remember if it was in that episode or a later episode, we decided that the movie Congress was about Austin. And then coincidentally, we found that movie The Congress with Robin Wright Penn. Uh, when I was watching the movie at the end, when they're running the pr- productions, of course, it's from Alamo Drafthouse Films, which is located here in Austin. Right. So I think then we're on to something with understanding what all the signs and symbols are really meaning. So I'm, I'm living just down the street from Pindar, <laughs> Pindar's pelvis or whatever this is here, right? Like the, it, it, you could say it looks like a pelvic area, man or woman, depending on how you look at it. Also, there seems to be something that is sort of needle-like, right? Like who, who knows like what we're really looking at here. Um, but I began to spend most of my time in this area of town over here. Right, so between Congress and Lamar, and it, right, so like this square area, like on both sides, and this here is auditorium, auditorium Shores. Michael and I have talked about this spiral on the hill right here, which very closely matches um, his lookout point on the Susquehanna River. And so, you know, we we have been, we have looked at that. There's a number of interesting and anomalous things around here that um, I think require a lot of observation and digging into on a variety of levels. Um, But for today, I'm just gonna say that like, this is in that zone as well. But this area over here, Seahol District and Market District, this is where I had been to the Austin City Music Hall that night when I decided to move to to Austin, right? And when I first moved here, this is where like all of the parties and raves and stuff like that, which were really good, um, were happening. What I didn't know at the time, I would go over here to go to the record store was over here. Like all the good things to do were in these areas. Sixth uh, Street, which is famous, is kind of over here. And I might go there to go to clubs, but I was really over here. And then enjoying being in this area where there was parks downtown. I didn't really make use of the trail at that time. Right. In fact, I don't even know that it was in my consciousness that there was a trail that I could circle downtown in and around every day. But I did enjoy going to some of these areas and people are very familiar with the famous um, Zilker Park where Austin city limits is and Barton Springs pool is there. And this whole area is very green. It's Edwards Aquifer and some people consider the green areas around Texas, a green belt, right? Around this area of Texas. Some of it is off to the side, on the other side of Zilker park, and then through and all around. Um, but so I'm spending time there and what I didn't understand, um, when I was going to the Austin city music hall was that it backed up to this right here. And what this is right here is Shoal Creek, which is a Creek that runs over some very interesting limestone. And on the other side of the Creek right here, there's a power plant downtown. Now, I didn't know that when I was going to the Austin City Music Hall because the entrance was over here, right? So I'm going there, and this was the first place I start having sort of what I would consider transcendent experiences with music that went beyond, like, the initial, like, oh, I'm on ecstasy and I'm listening to music,
3: (laughs) right? Yes.
5: Um, You know, there's that, you know, the first time you ever experience ecstasy or what, you know, and big sound system there is like that opening of the audio space and, and the way it feels in your body that you know feels like you've been transported to another world but then once you sort of become yeah right <laughs> accustomed with that then um then you start having a different set of experiences that is really much more about your own headspace, your relationship with the music, dancing the crowd, all that kind of stuff what I didn't, give any weight to at the time because my mind just wasn't there i wasn't awake really in any significant way yet was that i was actually responding to a powerful metaphysical location right and 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 then we kind of moved to the next sort of segment of Mm -hmm. of this story um i'm going to stop for a second so that you guys can all ask or say or whatever you want
1: Oh geez, you're really putting us on the spot here. I would love to see that map again. Cause... I
5: just want—I I can be really long-winded, so no. I just want to space.
1: No, I, I appreciate you giving us that opportunity. Um, I did have something cooked up, but then you took the map down, and it's harder to. Pull it up. Yeah, pull it up because there was the first th-
5: map or the second map.
1: The uh the map you were just showing us, uh, okay, cool. yeah, there there was a cemetery that looked like it was sort of so when you go up a little northward a little bit, just a little bit, um, okay. There's sort of yeah, there's a cemetery off to the west or the east there, uh, the Texas State Cemetery. You can kind of see it. Yeah, there it is. So this one here. Yeah, I'm wondering if that cemetery, if you looked at that, because the path. It seems like there's a lot of water in that cemetery, and it also seems like that pathway, you know, it's going straight down the, you know, center of the cemetery, culminating in that little circular area. And then it looks like it's pointing back towards uh, Pendar or Waterloo Park in the capital up there. Mm,
5: All right. So I I wasn't planning on, on talking about this today, but since you asked, I'm going to go there and it points us right back to what we were talking about uh, earlier about the, uh, the Joe Rogan and the OTO and whatever. Mm. Right. So, okay. So this area, I had a very shortly after it was like in the same time period that you posted that stuff about Joe Rogan, right. That, um, I received uh, some information about something from my former co-host Randy. And I started uh, looking into it and uh, I found something that uh, is very significant. And Michael and I ended up recording a show about it. That is the only show that he and I have ever recorded that I didn't put out. It's a secret lost episode because whatever information I was trying to broach there was so, was creating such a, reaction inside of me energetically and I don't know what else was at play that not only could I not get through explaining what I was thinking which is very unusual for me right like I it was really a different I I could not express myself in like narrative and the way I tell stories or anything like that I was really struggling and then after the show like shut down into like some kind of strange sickness for about 10 days. Um, And I don't know if how much of it was coincidental or if I had really hit on some kind of topic that has consequences for you. Um, But shortly after that happened, I have talked about some of it tangentially on other podcasts about other things, right? but um, it basically has to do with what we were talking about before I, I, think, I don't remember if it was before we started recording or after we started recording. And that is like, why are all of these people from this sort of network that is driving our socio-cultural, you know, sort of experiences right now. And that would be like Joe Rogan and the, the, the network around him and all the various people who he's friends with and who podcasts and who he has businesses with and, and seem to be, um, you know, where people of a certain age range and set of interests are getting their reality from. Right. And, and, and so I've talked about it a little bit, but as this was happening in the days and weeks after it, I had a very strange lucid dream. Right. And in the dream, I went to this club where Joe Rogan performs at where he really performs at. Right. And I'm standing outside and he comes to me and and he asks me about this music that I want to hear played there. Because in the show Michael and I had done, we had talked about, like, it's very strange. Like, he plays, he does his comedy at a club in Austin that has the best sound system in Austin and that there's never music at anymore. There's just comedy, right? And so during the show, like, we were kind of opining on, like, what might really be going on there with the sound system, so in the dream, I'm standing outside of the club and he comes out and he wants me to play for him this music that I would prefer to hear on the sound system there than listening to comedy on the <laughs> right in there. And so he's like, I'm like, he's like, we play it for me on your phone. I'm like, I don't want to play it on the phone. It's not going to sound good on the phone. I want to play it in the club. Right. But he's like, no, no, just play it for me on the phone. So I, I don't know. I pull up some techno and I play it on the phone for him. And uh, he's like, all right, uh, well, um, you want to go to a party with me? You want to go with me back to this after party? And I was like, um, I don't know. We were on sixth street, right? In this, in this dream. He's like, uh, yeah, meet me. You know, like I'm going to the party. Follow me if you want to go. And I don't remember like why I didn't follow immediately. If it was hesitation or if I, in the dream was doing something. This was a year, ago, a year ago now. So I don't remember all the little details, but ultimately I ended up following him, but I was quite a ways behind him. And so, in the dream, where he led me was here, right? So, here we are. So, the club is on 6th Street here on this side of, um, I don't, it's kind of near this Museum of Weird right here, is right? It, it's called the Vulcan Gas Company. I was
1: just about to ask you, I knew what it was called, the Vulcan. Yeah. Interesting. Vulcan, yeah. Interesting name here, for a venue.
5: And, well, if you look at the, what the name of the highway here is as well, right? Monarch Highway. Uh huh. Okay. So we're, so he starts walking down 6th street and I'm trailing behind him and he goes over here to the frontage road at 6th street and starts walking up this way. And I'm behind him to the point where like, I can't really see him too well, but like I can still see where he is. And at a certain point he turns off, right. And I turn off where I thought I saw him turn off. And I start walking that way and I find myself at an entrance to like kind of park or something. And what it reminded me of was I used to live in New York and there was this, uh, place right above where I lived called the Cloisters, right? Which is, you know, not the Met Cloisters. I'm going to look at the Cloisters, Washington Heights, um, and it reminded me of the entrance to the cloisters with these arches like this there's a specific one that i'm thinking of let me see if i can find this right kind of like that or mm, there's a when i, when I was looking a time before i found like a better but you see how the, like it, it's this this one right here okay so i walked up to something that had that there was like plants and ivy and stuff growing on it And I couldn't see what was past it. There was no gate on it like that. It was the gate was open. Right. So I had to decide if I wanted to walk through or not walk through, but I couldn't see what was on the other side. And then I woke up. So it wasn't like I didn't walk through or whatever. It was like, I woke up at that point. Yeah. So a few months later, our office happens to be in that neighborhood. And I decided I had like an hour between clients. So I was like, I'm going to go for a walk. So I went for a walk up towards that area that had been in the dream and I found myself walking around in the cemetery that you are speaking of. And there are some very strange things in that cemetery, including a large, shall we say, Jones plantation, (laughs) like Jones family plot kind of thing. There are there's like a big, huge black cube in one area, not far from the Jones plot. There's all of these pieces that look metaphysically powerful. And I walked around the, the, you know, cemetery for a little bit. And then I walked out and back to my office. Right. But I was like, this is not a normal cemetery. This is, there's something serious going on here. And it was fascinating that it was right in this location that he had led me to. Um, so I, what I didn't know really about that is the, um, let's go back to it. Um, I hadn't like I didn't I get I think I was mostly walking in in a different area. I'm not screen sharing. Hold on a second. I forgot to push screen share again. I think I was mostly walking like I think I had entered this way on Inks Avenue. Right. Or up here a little higher. So I haven't seen this part. I'm going to have to go back and take a look and see what this is. Mm. Right. There's a fair amount of these roundabouts in Austin or Laura likes to call them Glorietta's, which I think sounds nice. Um, But you're right. It is pointing right back at this. This also looks like somewhat like the symbol for male Mm. and it's pointing. Right. If you look at the like man, woman symbols. Right. Right. I'm pretty sure that the man symbol is a circle with an arrow off of it in one direction. Right. And so you're right. It is pointing in that direction, which is not something I have noticed before. So good catch there for
1: sure. Well, and Um, also you, you, if you zoom out a little bit, you noticed with the um, that gateway area that you're talking about, how it was sectioned off from the rest of the area by only main roads right except for one like the north portion i think just looks like a regular road but every every other road is a highway and i'm wondering like what because you talked about the power station near the river do you Mm -hmm. think the the highways are sort of hinting at like an energy corridor that's being utilized here like and maybe the river has something to do with that as well with the dams and the power stations
5: Yes, one hundred percent. Right. So this is that JJ Pickle Research Campus,
1: mm-hmm.
5: uh, which I think I think Allison McDowell has a video specifically talking about that. Um, but yeah, so that's there, and this street that is on the north side of it is where I would live at a later time. Right in Austin, when I, a later a later time. Um, in uh, 2001, I, I left for a short period of time and came back. And when I came back, I lived right up here on uh, breaker and metric right here. Right. So this breaker and metric, I lived right in this little triangle right here. And we're going to get into why that's significant in just a little bit, but yes, your question about the highways and the power plants in the river is a good one. So if you look at where it's pointing, it's pointing straight down to this area that I'm talking about. There is one power plant that is right in this area. I'm just going to try and open it in a way that maybe we can see it. It's right here where it says the Monarch Apartments, right? (laughs) (laughs) So here is where uh, the Austin City Music Hall used to be. It was on, you know, it was between second and third on a uh, new every time i go over something something else pops up i don't know how to take all those things away um but you know this is basically um so those right here sorry i'm off on the wrong side so it was between second and third on this side right and what is there now is an enormous building that looks kind of like a shipwreck on one side and then um there's uh, a hotel called the proper which i have been given intel that you know, Elon Musk lives in the penthouse of, right? Or that he owns the penthouse of. And the building is quite fascinating, but literally what it overlooks is Shoal Creek and on this side. So the apartment building is like <clears throat> right here. And it overlooks like the power plant, basically. Like that. these apartments that are along here, this area are some of the highest end apartments in Austin, and they overlook a power plant. They're not right up here at the edge. These are corporate buildings up here. All of the apartments that are super, like there's a one called the Independent that a lot of people are familiar with because it looks like the Jenga building, right? And I have some pictures that maybe I can show in just a little bit. But Facebook bought some uh, floors in there. There's the proper hotel. There's this other building, and they're all overlooking the power plant. What are you saying, Laura? Oh, yes, the Facebook bought 33 floors or rented 33 floors. So, um, you know, you wouldn't think that, like, a power plant would be the thing that that people wanted to look at. But there's another area of town further down the river that is the other end of where I exercise over here, where there's another power plant, right? There's a power plant over here, and it also has the nicest houses in the neighborhood overlooking the power plant. Um, and so my in my head, it has to be that they understand the power of some of the things that are in these locations with the river and the water and then the power centers that I think is like somehow opening up an energy field that um, or that is serving like there's a portal there and that the buildings serve as like a transporter of dimensions, right? Because they tore down the Austin City Music Hall and put the proper hotel, which right with supposedly Elon Musk's penthouse up top and the building is fascinating looking right in that same spot like this place that I went to and started having, you know, had this feeling. And then over the course of the next couple of years, when I was there had experiences at that, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I can't tell you for sure that I'm not still at that party hallucinating that I'm having this conversation with you about what we're talking about. Like, that was like the level of the experiences that I had at the parties that like, if you guys like see on my YouTube channel and on my Facebook there's like a green pill that has a strand of DNA in it, like a green and white pill. And the first time I took a pill at the Austin City Music Hall, it was a green and white capsule like that. And I'm not sure that I'm not still in that experience. Like that's how crazy. And I know lots of other people that have had similar experiences and I can I can detail um, some of them for you. And it's the way that I started to suspect now in 2020, well, in 2021, when I moved back, that I was involved in, that there was some kind of time loop or some sort of connection of points in time that were cached in a physical location. And that was sort of the impetus of, of the episode that Michael and I did. Did you have a, a, like another question or anything about that location and the power plants or anything? They, they say that one of the power plants is um, not operational and that they've built all these fancy lofts around it. Uh, but that's not true. Like, I've been there. That power plant is operational. Like, the energy field around it is mm. significant in, 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 in every way.
1: Yeah. No, I do I do have another question before we keep on treading here. But, uh, yeah, the, the two rivers that are, well, they're more like creeks that are going through that area, they seem to sort of be parallel to the highways, almost yes. like, you know, they're both you know, accentuating that landscape symmetry and one of them is Shoal Creek, which could be interpreted as shallow, right? Shallow Creek Shoal. Yeah. And then the other one, Waller Creek, is named after Edwin Waller, who was the sort of surveyor and first uh, mayor of Austin. And one thing I just read on his Wikipedia is that in on October 13th, which seems to be an interesting date, uh historically 1839 he offered Mm -hmm. his house for the meeting place to establish the first masonic lodge in austin Ah. so edwin waller uh gave his name to that creek but yeah it seems like there's like a little bit of uh you know they're harnessing the the way the landscape is already funneling energy by putting two highways and you even the other highway to the the west there it takes a dive towards the east just like the shoal creek does correct
5: so good catch and um if you guys know who uh andy colvin is we had andy i had andy colvin on the show and he told some similar stories about his experience living near waller creek that i told about the ones i had on shoal creek his were more of like kind of a eerie or dark nature, which I think is um, really more the energy of this side of town, and mine were more of like a metaf- like the sort of I don't know if the word is playful, but certainly more like curious and fun type of metaphysics, right? So I think that, go, but if you go to those locations, like this area of town where you're talking about Waller Creek is like weird a little creepier, a little darker. And this area over here has all the natural gardens and water. And it's like a kind of fun and well-to-do area of town. I mean, the whole area of Austin right now is pretty well-to-do, but um, it, they definitely have completely different energies, but the way that you talked about them is exactly right. And what you said about, um, Edwin Waller that he was a surveyor right so like uh, have you guys ever seen when you like come across a surveying engineer and they've got their thing and they're like checking out stuff Mm -hmm. like zoning and cityscapes and sound ordinance and all of that kind of stuff is starting to become pretty significant in the way that I view cities that there is a very esoteric aspect to it that has nothing to do with like practicality and all it's not that like when people say we have these zoning rules because you know sound or it will ultimately be better for business or better for people living in the area for be for it to be this way like that may or may not happen but that's not the driving reason like there's literally you know invisible cities that are accessible through Pythagorean palaces that require things be uh, built in certain proportions and at certain angles. And one of the things that is fantastic about Austin, but can also be disorienting, is the psychedelics of the city where you're standing in one place and you think something that you're looking at is in one part of the city and you move 10 or 20 feet and you realize not only is it not in the place you thought it was, but it's on the actual other side of the city than you thought it was 10 feet ago, right? and you can move around and everything moves. The cityscape completely changes depending on the angle that you're looking at it from. And sometimes it looks like the Giza Plateau, and sometimes it looks like the Champs-Elysees, and sometimes it looks like the Emerald City and Wizard of Oz. And part of this is what the river flowing through downtown is doing and the way the trail is built, right? You are constantly, like I took a, a listener on a walk. She came here to Austin. She booked a session with me for nutrition and she thought when you book a session with me for nutrition, you come to Austin, right? Most of my sessions are online. So she actually came here and I had sent her a zoom link. And she, I'm like, where are you? She's like, I'm in a hotel in Austin. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? She's like, well, I came here. Cause that's where I thought it was good. I thought that's how it worked. And then you said this. So I was like, well, you're here. So let's go for like a walk. And I was showing her this and she was tripping out. She had like, by the end, she was like, how is that fucking possible? Like this, the, the, the building you were showing me was near my hotel a few minutes ago. And now I see that it's over here and then it looked over there and, right. Like it's very, the way that they have constructed the skyline of Austin, I think is in harmony with nature, which I think is like natural, naturally very psychedelic. Right. And a lot of cities have arranged things on a grid pattern that removes that magic. The way Austin has been laid out, it's like it's mystical and magical if you have the eyes to see it. But if not, you're just thinking it's a beautiful city. You're not seeing that there's like all of this weird like rearrangement of time and space around yourself unless like you're you're to the place where you're like. The, the shit that they're hiding can't be in some secret place. It has to be in plain sight right in front of us. So I'm going to look at shit from every angle until I figure at least one of these secrets out. Right. Yeah. I think we all find ourselves at, at, at that spot.
1: Well, I, um, I, I love this. This is so interesting. The point you just made, because as I'm looking at the map here on my own screen, I noticed that the only street grid that seems to be aligned magnetic north is where the university is which is interesting because you know i've been looking into new haven and yale and it seems to be uh they tried to do the same thing uh then just you know given they were doing it 400 years ago um but yeah very interesting that there's like a like a you know, most cities, as you said, are one defined grid, especially in the Midwest, but here you have like multiple different squares, like all sort of angled next to each other. It's more like a mosaic than a grid.
3: Aha,
5: totally. A hundred percent. Right. and It's weird. You have certain streets that are literally the same street that run east west, uh, above the river and run north, south below the river. Huh. Right. Like there's like weird stuff like that. Right. So, um, But that's a good catch. And what you said about universities, and I feel like universities in some ways are kind of like um, capital buildings or government buildings or whatever, is that they serve to like create an overlay of energetic systems, right? that, That distorts or creates a sort of spatial bubble or temporal zone that can be manipulated differently. And I have, and this is like completely a sort of separate topic, but not really because you brought it up. Um, You know, University of Texas was where the first school shooting was. Um, And my friend Jeff and I went to, you know, this was before I had moved back here. We were here for, um, I had spoken at Robert Phoenix's conference in like 2019. And we came to Austin for a couple of days. And uh, Laura was at dinner with someone she knew. And Jeff and I were pitter-pattering around. And we went to... um, to UT and this area that I sort of used to hang out in. And we did sort of a, Jeff has like a kind of metaphysical protocol he does to sort of like get information from the land and do some healing stuff and whatever. So we started doing it. And what came to me, what like he uses me as the sort of surrogate and then with some of the remote viewing skills that we get an interesting thing, um, that the Texas school shooting was the moment that universities, it was like the ritual or the event to shift universities from a place that people went to learn about the world to a place that people went to learn how to change the world, which is like when the activism really started coming in, right? And you end up with this scenario of like young people who don't really know a whole lot about the world around them, but are telling everyone else what to do. And we're living at the height of that right now.
1: Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for sure. Mm.
5: And then that grid connects to all the other universities, right? Like we said the same thing about Yale, right? Like my guess would be is if we went to any major school, um, probably, you know, Ivy leagues might even have like a secondary set where like, there's a part of the campus that is maybe protected from that for the people who get like the secret information right, or whatever, but that there's this network, they're like nodes on the, the overlay. Right. Yeah. So, right. um, Okay, so I'm here, I'm going to parties at the Austin City Music Hall, and I'm having, like, Chad, I don't know if either of you guys like electronic music, but I know Chad does, right? And, like, you know that first moment you were at a party and it went from, like, this is interesting, maybe I like this to like, you feel it in your body and suddenly you're like moving, like, this is weird. I'm moving like all the other people in this room. And like an hour ago, (laughs) I thought those dance moves were hard. Right? Like, But like, you're moving with that and you're like, I fucking love this, right? And and I had like one of these, these parties that I went to where like, I went one person and I left a different person in terms of like the way my body was moving. And then like, I started to sort of understand the music. I didn't know a lot about dance music but I started to really like, it was almost like I was getting a download on the history of dance music. And a lot of the things that came in that night, like proved to be true when I did research later because I started writing for a magazine a couple of years later, right? And like, I I started looking things up and I was like, oh, that's funny. That thing that I found out about the history of dance music was like part of that thing that I just thought was like my trip or whatever, right? And so I I had downloaded kind of all this information and I was going to parties there over the course of about a year, a year and a half, like at least a weekend or two a month, there'd be a good party there and lots of other parties I was going to in other cities, but the magic was happening there. The magic was not happening in Houston or Dallas or whatever. I would have fun. The magic was happening there. And I started to understand like, the different layers of reality and the sort of like self analysis and psychoanalysis that you could get into with the psychedelics and then how that sort of played into like what else was going on in the room or whatnot. But I also started to have experiences that I couldn't quite remember. Like I wasn't sure if I'd actually had them or if they were a dream or if like, maybe I had been to some like after party that I couldn't remember because I got too fucked up or something like that. Um, That seemed to be like, there was locations that I remember that when I would go try to look for them, I couldn't find them. And they seemed to like, I couldn't remember if they were like, I couldn't figure out like I had been to some of these places in relationships to parties like in terms of like going back to someone's house after maybe or to another after party or something. Or if like one of them seemed like a place that maybe I had looked at an apartment when my mom was here before we decided on which one. And like, there was something weird about the apartment and I was always trying to go back there and like find it right. To find this apartment and see like, why am I still thinking about this all this time after? So I spent many years in Austin, like over the various times that I lived there, looking for some of these locations that I somehow recall from some experience during those first couple years in Austin, where I was living on Congress, going to part at the Austin Music Hall, and sort of really just hanging around that area, living, you know, in my apartment with my gateway computer above Monroe Street, <laughs> which also happened to be across the street from the Texas School for the Deaf. And I was really attracted to this Texas school for the deaf for some reason. And like, it was almost like, I felt like I had been inside there. And so like, it, like in the dream. And so I wanted to go check it out, but like, it was always closed and you can't go in there. So I've never officially been into the Texas school of the deaf, but I have this feeling that like, I've been there somehow. Like, I don't know if it's like a MK Ultra thing or like a gateway experience kind of thing or what it is, but I was kind of fascinated with this, this school for the deaf. And, 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 you know, I still sort of am and have never been inside, been inside there. Um, so I lived there for a bit. And then in 2001, I left Austin for about six months. The, um, the draw of, some things about the bigger city because at that time Austin was still a small city and I was a bigger city person I moved back to Los Angeles for a short period of time and I was, it was kind of a disaster and within six months I was back in Austin but I was living in a different neighborhood right so when I came back to Austin I moved to basically the the gateway area right not exactly it but um let's go to so I moved right here like where I showed you guys earlier so there's gateway And I was living here right on breaker and metric and it's right. Here's metric. So I was on breaker and metric right here. Okay. And, um, during this time I'm much, I'm doing a lot less drugs. I'm still doing a lot of parties and partying, but working in parties and not having quite as many experiences where I'm like having trouble making sense of them. Um, but very integrated in that scene. And, um, maybe like beginning to exhibit the first signs of like, I'm not buying the consensus reality type of thing. Um, and then the other thing that was interesting that happened to me when I was living there was I had this like really freak case of meningitis. And for some reason, like this came up in a show, I was doing with Sophia Smallstorm the other day and she wasn't getting what I was talking about. And so I had to leave it alone. And then, when I was doing pre- preparation for this show today, some other things revealed itself that I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and explain this again. Right. In a way, because now I have some more context for it. Um, so I had this strange thing where like, have either any of you guys ever had meningitis? So meningitis is a disease no, of no, the, no, but go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say, I actually just heard about somebody today that a friend, uh, he actually just developed meningitis and that was the first time I had heard it besides a ween song, uh, from the band ween. Yeah. Uh, from one of their funny albums. But, uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, actually there's been a couple things that you said during this thing where I'm like, I think someone just said that exact thing to me earlier today. It's been a, a fun <laughs> fractal of a conversation so far.
5: I, hear, I can't tell you how much of that I hear. Like I will like, you know, be recording a show. Like one time Michael and I were recording a show and his girlfriend at the time was in the other room reading a book, right? And and at the moment I said a specific sentence, that same sentence was in the book she was reading, right? About something totally different, but literally like the same sentence, right? Or people will tell me that like they're they're watching the show and the thing I talk about in the show is like happening in the room that they're in right then. And it's like a weird thing, right? So there's quite a bit of that. But I think this is; these are the um, the coincidences that we're told to write off. That I think are are really actually meaningful and significant, and sort of a a way of validating the truth of the thing that that is like outside of like the expert authoritarian paradigm or or whatnot, right? The the universe giving us feedback, so. I get this free case of meningitis and meningitis is a disease of the brain lining and you can have viral meningitis or bacterial meningitis. Viral meningitis is generally not deadly passes with there's not really much you can do. Someone has bacterial meningitis. Uh Oh, let's, we want to do something right. And the way you find out about that is by doing what they call like a spinal tap (laughs) or a lumbar puncture. Right. So I had had this headache for like a day and a half. It wouldn't go away. Nothing was working. It hurt to move my head. I go to the hospital. They tell me I have meningitis. Right. And they don't, but they don't know if it's bacterial or viral. So they're going to have to do a, a spinal tap. And I'm like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> I have been a person not trusting uh, the medical people for my whole life. Right. So they give me some, salt water, saline or sugar water, and some intravenous Tylenol, which takes care of the headache. And that's the one thing I didn't take. I had tried like all of the other uh, Advil, Aleve, all that, even probably some Vicodin, but for some reason Tylenol worked and they said it was because of specifically what's happening with meningitis, why those others don't. So I stayed in the hospital, like in the emergency room for like four or five hours, got all this fluid, got the Tylenol, starting to feel better. They fought with me like heck because I wouldn't take the, the the spinal tap, but I just would not. And so they, they, they were like not letting me leave for a while. And then they finally gave up and they said I could go right. I didn't have any health insurance at this time. So I get a bill like not that long after. And it's like thousands of dollars, like six or $8,000 for like four hours that I was there. Right. And, um, I go to the hospital to be like, yeah, I can't afford this, right, and and whatnot. And they said, well, they said, well, we have a program for people who can't afford it. Let's have you apply. So I apply, and I made just barely too much money to, to be qualified. So she set me up on a payment plan where I'd pay a certain amount every month, and I was on my way. And to this day, I've never gotten one of these bills for the payment plan, Right. And it's not on my credit or anything like that. So I don't know what was going on. Um, but that hospital was in the gateway neighborhood. Like the hospital was like literally like in the triangle there. Right. Okay. So a few months, a few months back Danny and I had an off the record sort of off the books meeting with, uh, it's I think it's fine to say it now with David Martin. You guys might know who David Martin is. Like he was that, Subject of the Plandemic 2 movie. He's someone that I, I've i been very familiar with his work for like 10 years, but I got to know personally right at the beginning of the pandemic before he became a central figure in all of this. We've done shows together and had private conversations. And Danny and I were researching um, something about Lifeboat Foundation and SFI, Santa Fe Institute. And we had asked him for any information he knows. So he had a private conversation that we, right with, with us about, with Danny about that, that she recorded and I basically translated because she didn't know what he was talking about. And one of the things he mentions in the conversation, there was like some useful information in there and some information that didn't seem necessarily useful and pertinence to what we were talking about, but there's always little nuggets. He mentioned something about cybernetics and SAAC. S A I C. Do you guys know what SAIC is? Okay, so SAIC is um, basically it's a it's a um, it, it it's one of these like military sort of you know companies, right? Like it is um, science. Japanese I mean, figure. Let me tell you the exact thing. I don't want to say say it the wrong way because I don't. Yeah, let me just tell you exactly the right. It's weird. You can almost not find the words spelled out. It's just going by SAC. This is fucking weird. I can't find a, um, I think it's like science applications, international corporation or something like that. This is weird. I can't actually find, find the real name of it. Um, but for some reason, when he said SIAC, it, it, they the SIAC supports the department of defense on programs of critical importance and stuff like that. Right. So when he said SIAC. I just typed the words SIAC into the computer. And when I typed the words SIAC into the computer, right? Because I was listening to the recording because I wasn't available the day that they talked. Um, Look where SIAC is. Breaker and metric. See it?
1: Yeah, wow.
5: It's right here. Just not very many feet. From the JJ Pickle Research Campus and the Gateway neighborhood. So I so, so I was like, okay, that's interesting. Laura and I drove over there, right? And you see they have their own triangle right here. This little area, this park right here, that's SIAC. Okay. So we went over and we drove around. It was a weekend. There wasn't much there. And I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna file this away and I'll like return to it at some point, right? So this morning when I was laying out what I was going to talk about with you and I was thinking I was going to talk about, um, you know, a little bit about this gateway thing and then also about the violet crown, but then I found this and and this became, okay, I'm just going to talk about the gateway experience. For some reason, it it, it dawned on me that I should l- just put the words together, PSYAC and mind control, Right. And I put together the words SIAC and mind control and the very first Google page that pops up is uh, on like the eighth entrance or whatever is the Wikipedia entry for Stargate project, the Stargate program. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, okay, so I go and start looking and we all like, I'm assuming you guys know about, I mean, I know Chad does because Chad and I have talked about the Stargate project in reference to the way it works. You know, it sort of overlays with some of his synchro mysticism about the Detroit heart plaza and whatnot. Right. So I come over to Absolutely. the Wikipedia page and it's not a very lengthy Wikipedia page, right? It's just a little bit. Uh, and I've just pulled, um, a few quotes from the, um, from the, the the page that I think are the most sort of interesting here, and I will share them in terms of, like, what I'm saying and what I'm talking about in regards to Austin. Okay, so Stargate Project was a secret U.S. Army unit established in 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland, by the Defense Intelligence Agency and SRI International. Okay, so SRI, so people, for people who don't know, is the Stanford Research Institute. Um, and it's like where like Ingo Swan did all of his stuff. Um, but coincidentally, like my mother, um, the only argument she ever had with her parents, and it was a big one that shaped the direction of the rest of her life was that she was supposed to go to Stanford right like it was all set up my my grandfather had set it up for her to go to stanford and she didn't go she decided to go to ucla instead which he thought was a little red schoolhouse referring to communism and you know it was a big problem in the family so Like whenever I see Stanford with anything and and knowing my mother's history, which is a separate but connected story, like it always gets my attention. So anyway, it was a this was a program to investigate the potential for psychic phenomena in military and domestic intelligence applications. The project and its precursors and sister projects originally went by various code names. And this is kind of interesting because some of these I haven't heard of before. Gondola Wish, Stargate, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Project CF, Sunstreak, and Scan It. Stargate, we all know about. Um, none of these have links, if you notice. Um, the two for the sake of this conversation that have my attention are Sunstreak and It, and I will say why later. I'm also very curious about this Center Lane, but I haven't had time to look into it. But actually, what you brought up, Mark, about the freeways, and then the, the the creeks and the way that they come down, um, I'm curious about center lane, if it refers to um, the the highways somehow, or right. if it refers to that zone in the middle, right, the center lane, um, right. the way that I'm applying this to Austin. Um, anyway, until 1991, they were consolidated, and then in 1991, they were consolidated and rechristened as Stargate Project. Stargate Project's work primarily involved remote viewing the purported ability to psychically see events, sites, or information from a great distance. The project was overseen until 1987 by Frederick Holmes' Skip Atwater, an aide and Aiden's psychic headhunter to Major General Albert Stubblebine, and later President of the Monroe Institute. Right. The unit was a small scale comprising about 15 to 20 individuals and was run out of an old leaky wooden barracks. The Stargate was terminated and declassified in 1995 after a CIA report concluded that it was never useful in any intelligence operation, right? So in 1995 Mm -hmm. was the first time I actually visited Austin. And I came to Austin because of this family that had lived just on the other side of the location that I have identified in Chatsworth as being highly suspicious, right? So in my head, what my head is doing with this, and I'm not saying this is facts, but this is how I sort of operate, that it left the domain of the military and moved under the control of SIAC in that location right there in Austin, Texas, right? And the Monroe Institute connection to the Stargate confirms that it is the same, the same method, the same process as the Gateway experience are you guys familiar with the gateway experience? I think I know Chad is for sure. Cause I think he and I may have talked about it, but Romy and Mark, are you guys familiar with this?
1: I'd love for you to give us all an intro. I'm sure there's people in the audience who aren't familiar.
5: Okay. So the gateway experience is, um, was developed by Robert Monroe at the Monroe Institute. And at a certain point became uh, the, the military became very interested in it. And um, it is basically like, you know, he developed this course of like meditation with tapes, right? And it includes things like binaural beats and, you know, like things that we would um, recognize as having some degree of like like visualization and maybe um, some degree of NLP and things like this. But essentially... People who are doing this are trying to have experiences moving up and down in dimensions, forward, backward in time, leaving their body, astral travel. Like they they have different language for it that is more scientific, particularly in like the military documents about it, It became much more well-known when it was part of some kind of document dump. It may have been a Vault 7 or a WikiLeaks document dump or something like that that had the sort of the military write up on their experience with it that is actually quite interesting and very good and a lot of the um the things that are in the paper like you can find other information that matches it in different ways like if you for me when i have an idea i will look at every possible interpretation of that idea i'll look at it from many different perspectives and a lot of what's in that document you can Overlap on other things that are that are like this is about the mind, but you can overlap it on certain people's research about like the system we live in and things like that. And it matches like one to one micro to macro. There's a lot of interesting things in there, including there's a missing page. And then you can go find the missing page on other people's document dumps and whatever, but it basically details the various levels of the gateway experience right and that like there are some beginner levels and when you by the time you get to the last level that they describe in the document which is the focus they call it focus 21 which is the title of the show that michael and i did on this we're talking about time travel specifically time travel 21 years into the future okay that's it, right that seems to be like and what this does is like uh in some of the various levels of it, sometimes it seems like you're dealing with time and sometimes it seems like you're dealing with dimension based on the way they describe it and the energies and the entities that you come across and the various ways and techniques for leaving your body and coming back in and different kinds of experiences that you might have and why it may or may not be effective for some people or others. Um, but the military was super interested in it. And then at a certain point they claimed to not be interested in it, which I, that's pretty much meaningless to, 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 to all of us. Um, And then I know I have listeners who actually have been to the Monroe Institute and taken like direct courses from them there and say that there are levels beyond the 21 that are talked about in the documents. Right. And also at a certain point that something shifted within the Institute when some other people really came in and started taking over. So it's the classic scenario that like, you know, someone is doing something interesting and then, government comes in and something changes. And there are some people that think it was suspicious from the beginning. Others think it became suspicious later. I don't know that any of that matters for, for our purposes. It, it, there's something to this that I think we all sort of can see. Um, but what was really fascinating to me is I found out about this document because I was explaining a weird uh, experience I had to, to a friend of mine who is like a very metaphysical guy who's like really into like the Joe Dispenza and like weird, just like playing with the matrix and his position in it and all of this kind of stuff. So I'm telling him about this and he's like, Oh, your experience sounds just like the gateway experience. You know what that is? I'm like, no, I've never heard of it. And so he sends me the link to the documents and I'm like, that sounds exactly it. In fact, there's like weird markers that like almost confirm it. Right. So the experience that I, that I told him about, was last year, so in 2021, Laura and I went to this restaurant that is right where the Austin City Music Hall used to be. Like the block has the proper hotel on one part of the block, and there's like another building that has some restaurants in it, and then offices up top on the other part of the block, but that whole block there used to be the Austin City Music Hall. So we're sitting at this restaurant, we have the one table of the restaurant that is outside, So we're directly overlooking Shoal Creek. And I, for the first time, I'm really able to get a good look at like, this is exactly what the Austin City Music Hall backed up to. And like the location where we were sitting, if the Music Hall were still there, would have been like, I was standing at the front to the right of where where the DJ would have been, which is like where I used to dance. Like I have, you know, if you guys, I don't know, I know Chad goes to dancing, but you find your spot and you kind of stay there. When you go to the same spot over and over, you kind of have your spot. That was my magical spot. And that experience I told you guys about earlier where I had like downloaded all this information, right. When I had that experience, I also saw myself a different way. Like I saw myself wearing this clothes that for many years after that, like I tried to find those clothes. Like I wanted to look like what I looked like, what, how I saw myself when all that was happening. So we're sitting there and I look down and I'm wearing the clothes that I had in the vision 21 years ago in that spot, right? And I realized that all the information that I learned that night, I know now. So there was like a temporal connection from me at that space in 1999, 2000 period of time, 21 years before 2021, when I would move back. Right. And so I started thinking, okay, this is interesting. Like a physical location can store every experience that will ever happen there. And you can, and sometimes through certain kinds of magic, right. Or certain kinds of like astrology or, Whatever dope you're on, or what you eat for lunch that Tuesday, or whatever it is, something in your system opens that one up, right? But I'm like, holy shit! I'm like, that's really weird. And then I started going through a number of experiences that, like, prior to this evening at this restaurant, Hestia, and then in the in the days and weeks that were following it, where I had been finding things around town that were the subject of, remember I told you I would go looking for these spots, like these apartments or these buildings that I think I had been to, but I'd go and look for them and I couldn't find them. And suddenly I was finding them, right? But what's weird is they weren't there when I had looked for them before. So I found this one apartment, right? Laura and I were walking on the trail and um, there's these apartments called the Zilker Apartments right? Zilker uh, and they're right here. I'm just going to pull them up so people can see, right? There's these apartments here. They're called the Zilker apartments. And on the side over here, I don't know if there's a picture of the area that I'm going to, that I'm talking about, but like you can approach it. You can approach the apartment building from the trail right here, right? So you can walk this way. It's on Barton Creek and you can see this building from the trail. And You can't see it on that picture, the area that I'm talking about, but that the building that, what was there was, that was the apartment that I kept having in my mind that I was trying to find. So later, Laura and I went there and looked at an apartment and I asked them what year the apartment building was built and it wasn't built until 2013. So how was I seeing in 1999, an apartment building that wouldn't be built until 2013? Right. And so, but I had walked that trail before, right? Like I, I cause that trails where Barton Springs is, that's how you get. So even though I wasn't doing a lot of circling around the city, like I had been that way before. So then I'm starting to think that like, there's this interesting, and it just, so you can see that area is very close to, it's right across, right? So here is the Austin city Music Hall, right? Here is like the the power plant. I hate that thing keeps popping up over here, and then it's just straight across. It's like eye shot from there. So there's something about this area. All of these experiences that I have and have had um, of like what I what would about, say
2: about the Capitol Building.
5: What about the Capitol Building?
2: Have you, been, have you had much? Well, so I don't I've, know. You tell me. Is it <laughs> like it's, it's right almost we, in the area where your mouse is almost at?
1: Before yeah. we before we go too far from Zilker, I just want to point out that Zilker is named after the last private landowner who owned uh, Barton Springs. He was also a philanthropist and director of a bank, uh, worked in Oof. the water and power company. So, you know, Oof. Zilker is kind of uh, one of these, uh, what do we call them, titans of industry types, right? That probably yes. founded Austin. Yes, Zilker. So Zilker,
5: you have Zilker, um, you have uh, Lee Barton, you have like all these different areas that come together in that area of Barton Springs, Zilker Park. Um, Zilker Park is also where Austin City Limits is every year. And I actually worked at Austin City Limits this year with um, my side job. And when you're working there, you get to see things that you wouldn't necessarily see just being at the show. Right? And I went to areas of the park that you might not otherwise have reason to go there. And it's very interesting. It's very fascinating, but there was two symbols all over mm-hmm. the show everywhere. And one was what we recognize as a vortex symbol. Right. And one was uh, Romy. I just did a show with you last week. And we were talking about the quattrofoil and it's sort of negative space. It's inverse. And that was the other one. And this is something Michael and I've talked about a lot in terms of like dimensional and time travel in these locations. It is the inverse of the Templar's cross. It is the negative space of the Templar's cross, right? So um so I you know it's definitely an unusual place. Barton Springs is a natural pool, right, that is part of the Edwards aquifer and the water in Austin is very strange and that's like a topic for like we could get into like what I think is really under Austin at some point. Um but for the sake of like staying on topic, you know, for for what we're doing here we'll put a pin in that so this area downtown austin in this sort of zone between mopac and 35 and then i would say from about 10th or 12th on the north side down to about uh, on the map i'll say um i'd say like the magic sort of comes to kind of an end um, somewhere around Monroe, down here. Like, this area down here is lovely, but it's not where you're having the metaphysical activity. So there's, like, a zone mm-hmm. here, right? And uh, it is downstream mm-hmm. from the Capitol, for sure. Um, but if you are into, like, James Shelby Downard or Michael Hoffman, like, you could literally yes. lay out in very in several of these neighborhoods um, uh sort of personal initiatory mystical toponymy, or I also see neighborhoods as neural networks, right. Where like I can go into certain neighborhoods and the names of the streets and the names of the business, mm-hmm. like make me think about certain things that happened in life in a certain order that is like an alternate perspective on like the main story of Emily Moyer or whatever. Right. And, and, you know, th- 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 it's, what's interesting is most of the places that I've lived in my life, like the street names and the areas that I've lived are similar to one another, right? Like, and some of them think are
2: that's part of like the major cosmic code of what's happening. Do you think there's like a predetermined celestial force that kind of like draws places magnetically, or do you think that's something that's like divine will, or maybe something that's like uh, put in place by the higher echelons that be?
5: I think that there's aspects of all three, right? Like, I don't think one exists in the completely exclusive of the other in this area of town. Now, when we go up to the the false gateway up in the gateway neighborhood, right, at the domain, right, that is a created reality. That is the like little mock-up or like the little, like, Oh, we have figured out that like this happens in Austin. Right. And like, it is outside of our control. Other than that, like we can figure out how it works and we can create like, you know, experiences or technologies or, or, harness energies or whatever but we can't actually control it we can't make it happen or make it not happen and we want to make it happen or make it not happen so we're going to make this little domain up here near the jj pickle research campus and do that okay so i'm going to go to the next uh little um slide i had from the stargate page um
0: the cia briefly i mean can i interject
5: All right, when you say the question Chad asked, was it back? Like when he first asked me about location?
1: Yeah. The first, the first question he asked.
5: Okay. So Chad, I think you asked me about the fact that I'm identifying this as location. And that we were talking about, sorry guys, uh, the recording stopped. So, um, okay. So I was explaining to you that I have matched on an almost one-to-one basis how similar the location of Hart Plaza in Detroit, which is where a lot of Chad's work is focused around and where dance music happens on its largest scale in Detroit, um, you know, it, where, where the world's attention is drawn to it. And that the Austin City Music Hall, where I had all of my magical experiences is equidistant from the river and sort of set up and it's Austin City Music Hall is much smaller than Hart Plaza. But you know it, it's in the same sort of relationship with the river and with the type of things that are going on downtown, right And when so one of the things that um, that Michael and I like to do and that I do with other members of like the project kids sort of chat group and stuff is like what we call map porn, right? So I didn't say this before, but also when I look at um, when I look at uh, the Detroit, area right the river and what's on both sides of it there's a lot of same named places as here in austin and also in other people's cities that i have looked at that are cities on a river that have some level of musical significance or whatnot so there seems to be some sort of board that that or some sort of like yeah like maybe it's like a masonic tracing board or some sort of like initiatory you know, topology or mystical toponymy or whatever that they like to sort of set up. What are we looking for, um, Romy? Romy, do you know that you're screen sharing?
2: Yeah, I do. I do. I was just having this up so people could see that, like, that Austin and Detroit are following the rivers right here. Right. It's just like a, a hop, skip and a jump right Right. they're they're
5: both musical river they're both musical river cities and their relationship to the river is as important to the the music as anything else right um where were we going with that next chad
2: well we were talking about the bridge the butterfly bridge and the owls that were watching it (laughs)
5: okay that's right okay so when so the, the the you know the rave scene or the the, 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 the dance music scene in Austin at the level and energy that it was at for a period of time disappeared when the first when we became unable to use the Austin City Music Hall for events anymore because of the Rave Act. Remember when they passed the Rave Act, Chad? Right. So they were starting to hold venue owners responsible for any drug use that went on there. So then the Austin City Musical didn't want to have events. So the only time there was event would be like, if somebody was like enough money to have the big insurance or da-da-da, whatever, like there might be like, you know, Fat Boy Slim would play there or something, but not anything underground anymore, right? And then at a certain point- Can I
2: say something though on, on the tip of music and just like differentiating like this, like electronic acoustic divide, like the genre of like EDM, uh being like i just want to like broaden people's perspective real quick of like when we say electronic music all music at this point if like being electricity which emits frequency what have you coming out of the black cube that is <laughs> the speaker you know um that's that's there and like
3: i think the same The same of, uh, energy that was being portrayed
2: back in the day, you know, that had like architectural influence to make it like oscillate and resonate and rever- like, reverberate off yes. of the actual shit that was built into it back in the day. Now we use electricity to make the same type of um expansion that the ancients would use in like their art- architectural style. So it's like, it almost like, I, I know we're saying like electronic music. This is not electronic music. This is, but really it's all electronic music because it's using the electrical waves and the radio waves to be emitted. And so I think the same type of ideas, whether it being like rock or folk or what have you, like the same type of, resonance builds off of those like electrical waves that are coming from the music I just I just wanted to say that I had to say that from a musical standpoint uh, that that I come from you know that a little bit of that background it's um, yeah I should should be crazy the black cube of the speaker man
5: right I agree with you um I I think one of the reasons people who listen to music that is not what we consider like electronic or dance music. And for me, like the electronic music that I like is not what most people think about when they think electronic music. Like I like the very specific genres, Mm -hmm. techno and house, right? Um, but the cultures around the different kinds of music, right? Like live music is very, very popular here, but the culture around that is much more uh, an alcohol drinking, maybe a marijuana smoking culture, right? And the culture around dance music ranges from straight edge to psychedelic drug taking, but doesn't really, in, in, at least in that date, that period of time or in, in its, its maximum include generally a lot of drinking in the party scenario, maybe in the club scenario. So I think the experience Mm -hmm. one will have right with the, these, these like certain sounds, right? Not that it couldn't be had with regular, you know, acoustic instruments or, you know, even other kinds of ways of generating sound and frequency, um, that's, that's like why I'm associating it more with dance music, but yes, you are correct. Yes. And, yeah. it is the, yeah. and, and, and in this particular case, the music hall was literally backed up to the power plant. And like, I don't know, I didn't know it at the time. Right. It literally the street behind the music hall is electric Avenue. Right. So <laughs> so what you're saying nice. is, is exactly right. Right. Um, so I think what we had said was that, the the you know eventually in 2008 they tore down the austin city music Hall and now there's buildings for corporations and really wealthy people there and they stole that place that was for, for people who appreciated music mm-hmm. to go and have the, at least the, uh, the possibility of experiencing something transcendent and being transported to whatever dimensions their mind could open enough to see right and now mm-hmm. there's Stuff there that they're using, they're harnessing to for business and financial purposes. And wow. in, in this case, Elon Musk living there, he's probably interested um, from a very different perspective in the same set of phenomena <laughs> we're all interested in, right? But he knows where it is.
2: That's super right interesting because the 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 start of that, like, you know, these 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 long term plans and like studying of the cycles and everything, like the implementation, like what I just read the little bit of history of Austin, Texas. I mean, just on the Wikipedia page alone of Austin, it says that that's where some of the oldest fossils of man were ever even found. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's like on like the, just the Wikipedia page, you're saying Texas alone is one of like the oldest sites of man, um, therefore generating some sort of conscious energy or some sort of congregation. And, and, you know, music. Like to touch back on the music thing we we're talking about. Acoustic music, like reverberating in the way, like electronic music was inevitable. We was going to create it. It yeah. moves off of odd waveforms. Like a synthesizer itself is literally just funneled cosmic and celestial noises. It's literally a oscillation and a tone and a vibration, of frequency that literally catches the a waveform. So electronic music, though, people have hard times gripping that it is incredibly natural sound because yes. electricity is just something simply that we've harnessed and funneled, not something that we've created. It's something that we've discovered and understood and deciphered the celestial plane that we live on. But when you look at like sites like Stonehenge and other types of like archaeoacoustic acoustic significant sites, they were doing the same type of shit that's happening like what you're describing in Austin totally 100% in um, a sacred ritual a sacred ritual and so this is titus it's tight to the oldest homage of 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 a ritual of a séance of a performance of a harnessing of celestial energies in my in my opinion
5: 100% and yeah. like to Agreed. to To back that up, like some nights you'd go and like there wasn't magic. It might still be a good party. It might still be the music was good and you had fun. You danced and talked to your friends, but there was like something different. Like this has to do with the alignment, uh, with with the astrology, with the astronomy, with like a number of factors. It's like how you meet the, the location and the experience that is happening there that creates the the spectrum of possibilities to which you may access that night right um so there now we have all of these high-end apartment buildings hotels and corporate headquarters all all of them are squished in as many as they can be they all want to be around this area overlooking the power plant in the creek And what I was showing before we got sort of cut off was that um, there's this bridge there called butterfly bridge. So again, with the butterflies or the monarchs or whatever, and that sits here right Mm -hmm. behind what you right. Okay. So on this, you see this building here that looks like the Jenga building. This is the building that started my, ideas about the interdimensional architecture that I spoke with you about, Romy, in a show that will come out shortly, and that I've been detailing on shows with Juan and various other guests. Um, So that sits on the west side of the creek. This owl sits right in front of the proper hotel, right, on on the the east side of the creek. And this is the Butterfly Bridge, and if you go down to the trail from there, there's also a quote-unquote monarch way station. Okay, like a butterfly garden. (laughs) Um, But these are the owls, and you see them. They move, Hmm. their eyes move, and they're sitting on dodecahedrons.
0: Whoa. 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 The fuck? They're crazy. And
5: this spins around. Like, you know, when you were little and you'd go to that thing at the park that, like, spun in circles? This spins around like that. It can spin, and then the owl's eyes move around and watch you.
2: When When is it spin? Is it based off of like time of the day? Is it on a motor? Like, do you, you have can to move it. it? Like, how does you it can, move?
5: You move this disc at the bottom the same way you used to move that thing at the park that you played on. Right? Yeah. So this is what the creek looks like, right? Um, and you can see there's all these nice buildings. The power plant is like off here to the left. You can't see it from here. But at night, this water looks completely black, completely black. And these buildings all reflect perfectly upside down in the water. It makes the creek, which is very shallow, supposedly just a few feet deep, look like it goes all the way into the inner earth. Like there's an incredibly tall. These buildings are tall. This building is tall. This um, other building that I talk about right here, they're, you huge. they're enormous. And this, so this building right here, you see this building with like this white strip up top? That's the proper. That's the proper hotel. The hotel is down here. The apartments are up here. This is the penthouse, which also happens to look like a CIA or FBI building, like that top little strip up there, right? Like it's fucking weird. Um, but they all reflect into this black mirror in the water. Uh, you can see it from up wow. above it looks like water butter is pudding. the ultimate scry the water is the scry right um so so that's what's going on there and this location is all these different areas in the zone seem to have some sort of ability some sort of like strange spatial or dimensional or temporal um, plasticity, I guess, would be a way of saying it, right? If we look at, um, if we look at this, like I showed you, um, you know, this is the Doug Som Hill right here with the spiral vortex. And I've had, you know, these experiences in what would be like, you know, a few miles square area. Right. Um, I want to go back for a second to the Stargate document and a few other clips that I've pulled mm-hmm. that I think relate to what I'm talking about. So, the CIA and DIA decided they should investigate and know as much about it as possible. That's this is the Monroe the, the Stargate project, right? This is that which was based on the Monroe Institute's um, Gateway experience. Various programs were approved yearly and refunded accordingly. Reviews were made semi-annually at the Senate and House Select Committee level, work results were reviewed, and remote viewing was attempted, with the results being kept secret from the viewer. It was thought that if the viewer was shown they were incorrect, it would change the viewer's confidence and skill. This was standard operating procedure. Throughout the years of military and domestic remote viewing programs, feedback to the remote viewer of any kind was rare, and it was kept classified and secret.
1: Right. Emily, remote... real quick, we're, we're, we're still seeing the map. I don't know if you're Oh, you're sharing. not seeing
5: this other thing? Okay, let me, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll go to the clip. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have to stop the That's screen right. share and start it again. It's there we right. go. Okay, cool. Um, remote viewing attempts to sense unknown information about places or events, right? Normally it is performed to detect current events, but during military and domestic intelligence applications, viewers claimed to sense things in the future experiencing precognition this is also really well described by the gateway 21 experience which for me happened in a span of 21 years and came full circle in the year 2021 which is also significant to me in the way that i do synchromysticism right the 21 Mm -hmm. means a lot of Mm -hmm. different things so uh, and every you know different people who do synchromysticism have a different way that they do it. So here is the time frame. This clip goes over the time frame of um, of uh, of the program. So in the 70s, the United States intelligence sources believed that the the Soviet Union was spending 60 million rubles on psychotronic research, right So we have JJ Pickle, Campus on Research Boulevard at the Gateway. Um, in response to claims that the Soviet program had produced results, the CIA initiated funding for a new program known as Scanning, Scan by Coordinate. Okay, so if you think about what I said about this being about coordinates, right, and things happening in certain locations, so th- these would be considered time, like different times stored at different locations, right? Um, and this idea of scanning that, right? Like, you know, we talk about, if you look into like Courtney Brown or people who do remote viewing, they talk about giving people a coordinate, right? So those coordinates can be spatial or temporal. And in this case, we're talking about location. So spatial coordinates. Remote viewing research began in 1972 at Stanford Research Institute. Proponents Russell Targ and Harold, Harold put off of the mm. research Said that a minimum accuracy rate of sixty-five percent was required by clients was often exceeded in the later experiments. So they got a better than sixty-five percent return, even though ultimately they said it wasn't useful, right? And I'm sure people are familiar with Harold Putoff from a lot of his nonsense with the UFO movement as well, right? Um. So they began testing psychics for Sri in 1972, including Uri Geller. Right. The apparently successful results garnered incest with the U S department of defense. Okay. So the U S department of defense also previously was co- called the war department, which is kind of interesting. And, and I might go back to that in, in a little bit. Um, uh, there was something in here they did, uh, uh, hold on, where did I want to go? So there's a whole thing about Geller and, and somehow the experience with Geller served to like m- invalidate some of the things, um, uh, from the program, and so eventually they sought private uh, funding for research on work with Geller, right? Um, and then in, uh, in 1977, the Army Assistant Chief of Staff for Intelligence Systems, ACSI, which is another arrangement of SAIC, you remember we were talking about SIAC earlier? Okay, Systems Exploitation Detachment and started the Gondola WISH program to evaluate potential adversary applications of remote viewing. And this went on in Fort Meade in Maryland, okay. And then in the eighties, uh, the SRI was integrated into Grill Flame, which was another name for the program. And then the Center Lane Project in eighty three, in eighty four, the program was reported by Grill Flame. Grill Flame, right? I, yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah.
5: And in that year, it was unfavorably received by the National Academy of Sciences, and in late 1985, Army funding was terminated. But the program was redesignated Sunstreak and funded by DIA's Scientific and Technical Intelligence Director. Now, the name Sunstreak, just like the reason I gave the why Scan8 was interesting because it dealt with coordinates, Sunstreak is, is interesting to me because I think That what we talked about before, the position of the stars, but particularly in Austin, the way the sun is hitting some of these locations and buildings on certain Mm -hmm. days seems to open up like a very different sort of metaphysical field, right? It brings Mm -hmm. in... The, right. When the sun hits certain buildings, there's this gold that is created, that then also like spawns yeah. colors within the gold, opening up a particular light spectrum that I think is part of this kind of thing. So then in the 90s, um, most of the contracting was transferred um, from SRI to to SAIC. OK, so in the 90s, it was transferred there Uh-oh. Edwin May controlling 70 percent of it. And it became a, a special access program limited dissemination and was there given its name Stargate. So not until it arrived at SIAC, right, headquartered here in Austin in that area, did it become Stargate. And in 1995, the Defense Appropriations Bill directed that the program be transferred from DIA to CIA, Right. So it ended, but it didn't really end. It just moved from what it was to before Mm -hmm. to SAIC, which has CIA in it as well. Right. And then the CIA. And, and and there was reports, um, you know, with this saying that, Oh, the program was canceled, but I think it was just moved into. And I said, you know, before.
2: What keeps happening.
5: Right. Right. Okay. So there was a time again, there was a couple of other, um, Uh, things that were sort of interesting here. Um, The Stargate project was, let me share it with you guys so you guys can see. The Stargate program was terminated in 1995 following an independent review. So 1995, first year I I visited. Oh. Right. The foregoing observations provide a complete argument against continuation of the program within the intelligence community. Even though a statistically significant effect has been observed in the laboratory, It remains unclear whether the existence of a paranormal phenomenon remote viewing has been demonstrated. So it works, but we're going to pretend it doesn't work. The laboratory studies do not provide evidence regarding the origins or nature of the phenomenon, which basically means we don't control them. So we're suspicious, assuming assuming it exists, nor do they address an important methodological use of interjudge reliability. Further, even if it could be demonstrated unequivocally that a paranormal phenomenon occurs under the conditions present in a laboratory paradigm, these conditions have limited applicability and utility for intelligence gathering operations. So what works in nature doesn't really work as well when we try to make it happen. For example, the nature of remote viewing targets are vastly dissimilar as they are specific tasks required of the remote viewers. Most importantly, the information provided by remote viewing is vague, and ambiguous, making it difficult, if not impossible, for the technique to yield information of sufficient quality and accuracy of information for actionable intelligence. Thus, we include that intelligence gathering an operation that is not warranted. In January 2017, the CIA published records online of Stargate, as part of Stargate as part of the Crest Archive. So basically, like, they can't use it for the things they can't control it. They can't use it for things that they want to and the way that they want to is what they're saying, but they're not saying that it doesn't actually work. And in my opinion, they they are able to use it for intelligence gathering operations because the n- amount of details and things that I remember from my experiences, right, are like literally the kind of thing that they would want to know. I was seeing things that would be in Austin in the future. Now, one could say that I had some sort of time travel location, right, on that physical spot. But the other person could say that, like, I went there and saw something And let's just say I was in a project or a program or something was being recorded, because I was certainly talking about this to people, right, that based on the things that I reported, that was how they knew why to build the apartment there, why to build these things in this way. Like, what if I was traveling to a future version of Austin or one that that existed in another timeline or another dimension and reporting back to them about what it looked like? Because Austin certainly looks like a completely different place now than it did then. Right. Like it's developed from like small capital city into this, like very crazy futuristic city. Right. So I can't be the only one having these experiences. Why are they choosing to build some of the buildings here are very strange. Like where would somebody come up with this idea if they didn't see it in some sort of otherworldly kind of experience. Right. I think I have one more, um, piece to share from, uh, the, the document. So, the piece to share is here and it talks about some of the people that were involved. So I don't know if you guys know who Hal Putoff is, but he is like a person who like, I think people who are really into like the alien and UFO things, like they really don't like him. Right. And in the 1970s, the CIA, and CIA <laughs> granted funds to Harold Putoff to investigate paranormal abilities with Russell Targ in a study of the purported psychic abilities of Yuri Geller Ingo Swann. Pat Price and Joseph McMonagal. Now, Joseph McMonagal, I think, had Oof. some things to do with the the Monroe Institute as well, as part of the Stargate Gate project, of which Putoff became Mc- a director. <laughs> McMonagal. big right? As with Ingo Swan and Pat Price, Putoff attributed much of his personal remote viewing skills to his involvement with Scientology. What? Holy shit whereby he had attained at that time the highest level. All three eventually left Scientology in the late 70s. The building that I was born at in Los Angeles is now <laughs> the Church of Scientology. Right? Danny was born uh, there too.
2: connection to Scientology and JPL and NASA <laughs> is obviously thick as well. So, I mean, yeah. that's pretty fucking
5: nuts. Right. So those things you just mentioned are weave into sort of, you know, the stuff that I talk about in regards to strange experiences I've had in my life. But one of the things that happened to me for a good portion of my life, and unless they're, you know, unless they're hiding better, every place I moved within days or weeks of moving there, Scientology would open up, uh, office would open up within just blocks. Literally, the hospital I was born at is now the church of Scientology, literally. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay so targ targ and I'm put off laughing
2: for, i'm I mean i am but that is just that's quite the synchro right there
5: right wow. so put off and targ worked at stargate at stanford research institute now my mom like i said before she was supposed to go to stanford and she chose not to go right that was a, a bone of contention in her family her father had moved out moved the family out to California uh, from Ohio where she was born, but he had also worked in Virginia. I think he actually lived in Arlington in Virginia. Um, he'd worked for the war department, right? So what is someone who worked for the war department doing moving out to California to become a banker? Right. And then, you know, my mom has kind of a fairly interesting background that I know some things about, but it's become challenging because she has dementia. Right. But this was the bone of contention is that she, God damn it, didn't go to Stanford. Like everything was set up for, instead, she went to UCLA. Right. Which has its own mind control program. So they didn't miss out on that. It was just a different one. Right. Um, But uh, then the last, Mm -hmm. right. So then there's Edwin May. Right, who joined the project Stargate project in 1975, which is the year I was born, and this was part of the uh, project was part of the Cognitive Sciences Laboratory, right? And he he took this project to the Palo Alto offices at SIAC and would last there until 1995 when the CIA closed, it, CIA closed the project and SIAC came to Austin. May work. It doesn't say that there, but that's what that's what it is. May worked as the principal investigator. Okay, there's, you know, and they dealt with like the weaknesses in the project. You guys know who Ingo Swan is, right? He's like one of the most storied um, remote viewers, right? He was part of this at at SRI. And then this interesting part down here that I did not know of before is this gentleman named Pat Price, a former Burbank, California police officer and former Scientologist who participated in a number of Cold War era remote viewing experiments, including the US government-sponsored project it right? So SCAN-IT was the one I talked about, about coordinates, and a Stargate project, right? So Price joined the program after a chance encounter with fellow Scientologists at the time, Harold Putoff and Ingo Swan, near SRI, working with maps. Right. And photographs provided by him in the CIA. Price claimed to have been able to retrieve information from behind, from facilities behind Soviet lines. Right. What? Okay. But he's from Burbank. Burbank is in Los Angeles. Right. And Burbank is like where actually most of what people think of as Hollywood studios are. And it is where like uh, mm-hmm, an interesting mm-hmm. project what that occurred like in the 40s or 50s where they were disguising military bases as city neighborhoods and the way my research is leading me i'm actually starting to think that that was really what was going on in laurel canyon and then in chatsworth that they're making something to yes. oh, be yes. um, a neighborhood to avoid um being uh what's uh like like a acceptable area for any wartime targets right um mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. is the stargate program that is housed at SIAC, right? Whether they say it's canceled or not, like, I don't think it is. I think it just moved from a government program into something that is a more of like a corporate and, and like sort of tech magnet sort of uh project or program that has a lot to do with, um, you know, industry and, and, you know, creating um, planned communities and whatnot as well. Um, but that's that area up there and i think that it is um they're trying to build i'll show you guys a picture of like what the domain looks like or what the gateway area let me pull that up so you can see what i'm talking about when i say that it is um let me this is the here's some Let's see i messed that up let's see what's going on sorry i'm getting less dexterous with the the uh so this is the gateway this is the domain right here And this is their plan for what it will look like when it's done.
2: So it's not too out of the question. I feel like,
5: right. And this, this plan was in (laughs) in 2007. Right. And it's basically aims to create a vibrant walkable area in North Austin. Well, that's part of what's magical about the area in downtown Austin is how vibrant and walkable it is, how much energy is created by people participating in this very interesting, mm-hmm. I don't even know what to call it, but it's, you know, it's basically a, a, a hub that is a fantastic space where like a city meets nature and there's the river and there's all of this interesting limestone and a green belt, and these natural pools. And it literally is like a magic mm-hmm. place, but the magic is dependent on the people. Right. So when I first moved here last year and I was trying to like get my head around why I had never paid attention to like running around the trail all the time when I first lived here, I read this really interesting article that talked about how the difference between Austin and other cities that are experiencing a rise right now is how much people consider the relationship that they have with the city they live in in their quality of life. So the people who live in Austin, they talk about their activity in the city in the same way that most people talk about like, oh, well, my job provides me enough money that I can have a nice house with my family and I can go to dinner on the weekends and have two vacations a year and whatever. Like the people that they polled said the most exciting thing about them to living in Austin is like they do their job and they get off of work and they come and they run around the lake and then they go out at night and they hear music in this area of town. And they have a daily relationship that they water like a plant with this city and the city gives them energy and they're contributing their energy to this city and sort of building, um, you know, the future here. And I think that's a very true and organic part of what is going on in Austin. And I think it's what attracted me to this place in the beginning. Austin is the only city I've ever lived at that meets me exactly where I'm at, right? Like I have a different relationship with Los Angeles and I can get into that sometime. But Austin meets me how I show up. If I'm in a good way, then it amplifies that. If I am fucking up, which I've had periods of time where I've lived here where it was a disaster and a half, it's my fault but the city does not stay neutral or help fix it for me the city will show me the path to hell real quick right so this is like the kind of place where i can get immediate feedback like i feel like a conductor you know who's like trying to do the symphony like figuring out how to like jam with the jazz band and whatever right like i can contribute like my energy and my thoughts and my ideas and my stories and my synchromysticism to the history of what Austin is. Like I can look at the old stuff and they can say, well, this is what we think it is. But I can go out there and have experiences without having looked in that and then see, and you guys did this during the show, when you go look up things about Austin, like people have been saying this from the very beginning. And one of the things you said was really interesting about the old bones that were found here. Somebody shared a map with me of like a different interpretation of like old Testament map. And it makes literally central Texas where Austin is Egypt in this new reality.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
5: And I think that's a lot of what is going on here. Mm -hmm. I think this is like, there's something very magical about this and it doesn't mean it's perfect. Right. I think there's, um, people using it for all kinds of things that might not be what you and I would prefer. Um, but they don't control that. And the magic that it is is available to everybody unless you move to the domain and then they'll, <laughs> and then they'll, and then they'll give you the, the, uh, the SIAC version of the gateway experience. Um, but it's an amazing place. And I think I understand what it is about Austin that makes it do that. And so I'm going to say that and then I'm going to shut up. And if you guys have any questions and whatever. Right. So mm. I think that, um, do you guys know who Ibrahim Kareem is? No. So he's the founder or he's the person who most publicly speaks about biogeometry. Right. And there's this concept in biogeometry called BG3. Right. And if a location or a thing does not have, these three qualities it's not a BG it's not a biogeometry like shape or space or whatever it is right and the let me just pull it up so I say it exactly correctly Uh, I took a little picture of my description of it earlier where did my picture go not here um okay so here it is so biogeometry the BG3 um has shapes have three primary vibrational qualities, negative green, a higher harmonic of ultraviolet and a higher harmonic of gold. So this area of Austin is surrounded by green all around it, right? There's the green of all those parks that are there. Michael and I have spoken extensively about the idea of like forests and natural green as like nature's green screen upon which many things can be projected, right? The higher harmonic of ultraviolet. Austin is known as the city of the violet crown. And I'll be happy to tell you guys about that, that sometime wow. sort of separately, but every night around the trail, there's this purple ring. I'm just pull up a picture so you guys can see what I am. Violet ring effect, Austin, Austin. Um, and there's a lot of story about what that is. Uh, and I have my own thoughts about it as well that I'd be happy to share with you guys sometime. Let me just see if I can find a picture. I didn't bring my collection up of, dang it. It's not showing. Here we go. Here's one, All right. I'm just going to show you. This happens every night. This is not the best one. I could show you a better one. Um, but when I'll share with you guys the Violet Crown episode for your listeners Right. It generally is. That's not the best picture of the effect. I want to see if I can find a better one to show you guys. Um, But uh, uh, it creates a purple ring in the sky around Austin. I'm going to find one of my own pictures just because I'm not satisfied with that. Let's see if I've got one that's handy somewhere here. Eh, I don't have one handy, but I'll send you I'll send you some. Um, It's this purple ring around downtown Austin. And there's one other city that's been called the violet crown and that's Athens, like Athens, Greece. Right. And it, you know, this is, this is an effect that they say is of one thing, but I think it may be of another thing. So, and then there's the higher harmonic of gold. And I told you about when the sun hits these buildings in downtown Austin on certain days, it creates this like gold ethereal kind of quality that generates like a different color of light spectrum. And those are the magical days where I'm like, it feels like there's like a lot of Austins today. There's some days where like the city is not active. It's not alive. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. It's just, you know, we're all like that. We all have quiet days. And then there's other days where it's incredibly vibrant, vibrant. And then there's these days in between that just the sun hits it in a certain way. And it's like, there's many worlds here if I know where to find them. And I think it has to do with this BG3 and its vibrational location. And Ibrahim Kareem is from Egypt. And this is idea of biogeometry comes from a lot of the ancient Egyptian studies that get into things like the netters and whatnot, right? So that's what I think is going on. I think Austin is the sort of physical layout, of the gateway experience, and there's a real one and there's a fake one. <laughs> and the real one has these metaphysical principles and properties that generate the experience. And yeah, that's what I, that's my sort of esoteric gateway experience of Austin um, kind of thing. I went downtown this morning and I took a couple of pictures when I was walking around. So I just wanted to show you guys um, some of those real fast because of the area that I I talked about here today. Um, Let's see. So this is one angle on some of those buildings, right? If you look at this, so this is that independent building, and there's this building here that you see. It's this one that I said that looked kind of like a shipwreck. It's right above that creek there. The way that this looks from different angles, it creates the appearance of like a pyramid behind a pyramid behind a pyramid. And from some angles, it looks like an accordion. Like I did a show on that with um, my friend JJ. Um, But that's this whole area. This cluster of buildings is what sits atop that area that we talked about near Shoal Creek. And then let's see. There's like one or two others. I'm not going to pick them all. I want to share this one with you, Chad, because I originally promised you we'd talk about graffiti. And it didn't shake out that way. But there's an important piece of graffiti. So I'm going to show you. So... This, this picture here, this is, the, um, this is the train track that goes across. Nice. And I took the picture from the Lamar footbridge. This is the power plant right here. This is that crazy building and this is the proper hotel back here. But if you look at this, some of this graffiti has been here since the very yeah. first time I visited in 1995. And if you, like there's one part further down on it that has like this Pac-Man kind of thing that's kind of interesting. But if you look at this, there's a lizard, breeze, a lizard blowing smoke that says "Focus one point and dream," mm-hmm. and it shows a pyramid with light going through it and a spectrum. And remember, we started this off talking about um, the gateway pointing right downstream to this area of town,
4: right? Yeah. Oh, hi, Tara. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hi. Hi. There's, so- yeah, I wanted to I really jump do. in a few times with what you were saying, but I like that you took that picture of the graffiti that and it says what it says about the dream because I think that's what's, you know, that seems to be what, like, the geometry is creating and then yep. being manipulated by these institutions and whatnot, but also not. And also being expressed by us right now. So, yeah.
5: Yeah, I think that as far as like what I call the blast zone in downtown Austin, I don't think they can control it. I think they're using it. I think they're riding on it, right? But I think they know, they are very well aware that there's a few of us curious little fuckers around town who have figured some things out and they watch us and they see what we're looking at, right? Like I'm tracking actively other people I call glass bead players who don't know that I exist, or maybe they do, maybe they search for me online too and see what I'm doing and whatever, that are playing with the same things that I am. And certain people have figured out that if they go to this location on this day, they're gonna end up somewhere else, right? And sometimes sometimes they don't come back, and then they go missing. And then there's a story about these people that connects them back to some of these other things. And it's very, It's, 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 you know, it's kind of unusual, but uh, I think there's some people that know about it. I think secret societies for sure are playing with it. I think that this is actually the secret that the secret societies keep. I think that they know that if you go to coordinate 2.64318 on the bridge facing downtown Austin where there's a metal belt that has an interesting saying and look in this direction on a day when the sun is hitting the building at this angle, oops, there's a whole other city right here and that's how you get in, right? But it's, a, it's I think these are the kind of, it's hiding in plain sight. Like, I don't think they waste as much time as we think doing machinations for all of us, but it's convenient to have us thinking that they do, because then we'll spend our time inside on the computer, researching the things that we think the fucktards are doing to us. Meanwhile, they're having parties and pocket dimensions right in front of our faces. <laughs> <laughs> and to your OTO Mark, I want to, I want to tell you, mm-hmm. right. So I was walking around today and it just dawned on me. I have another friend who's obsessed with Oriental temples, which sounds a lot like the Ordo Templar. I I can never say it. Ordo Templo. Can you say it? Come on, if you, I can never say it. The Ordo Ordo
1: Templi Orientis.
5: Right. So I think Mm -hmm. Templars are people who have figured out how to orient time right? That they have figured out the orientation of time around themselves. So I think there are some groups and societies that arrange time around spatial locations. And there are others that use a temporal coordinate system and arrange space around that arrange locations around like the, the, the anchor of time. Right. And this is why you have like different, different kinds of fraternal orders within secret societies. Right. And some people are part of this one and some people are part of that one and they think their way is right. And there's a million varieties in between, but templars are time travelers who have figured out how to orient themselves in time and temples are locations where you can go to practice this and do it. And I think that the in crowd, Joe Rogan, Aubrey, Marcus, all of these kinds of people have been made aware of the game board that is available here in Austin. And they came here to experiment with ways of traveling to other dimensions. I think it's it's a lot, some of it's temporal, but I think a lot of it is dimensional that people are really interested in right now. And I think there's a variety of sound frequencies and designer drugs being created here in Austin, Austin and being segregated from the average person that are contributing to the experience and there's a lot of that experimentation going on and i think it's going on with that group of people and that's why they're here
3: Hmm. a little
5: different than the way it works in los angeles not that it doesn't happen right but like it's kind of more like the freaky deaky version in Los Angeles. It's kind of like the Elisa Lam version. If you guys are familiar with all of that story, like you can have that experience, but I don't really know if you want to. And here it's a little different. And I don't know if it's just the nature of the location or the time period we're in. Like, I don't know if Austin was always this magical and will always be this magical, but at this time it seems to be having a heyday that is remindful of things like the e- Egypt or even Detroit at a time. Right. You and I've had a lot of discussions about Detroit that used to be a really magical place. It wasn't always like the hell hole that people think of it is now.
1: Right. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. And on the point of, uh, Austin being sort of like suitable f- for this map of uh, biblical landscape, I was just talking to a person that Juan introduced me to from the one on Juan podcast, his friend Dr. Narco Longo, mm-hmm. and Narco is very fascinated with his home state of Florida. We hope to have him on this show very soon, but he was telling me that the fertile crescent that's talked about in the Bible or in the Sumerian civilization was actually the Gulf of Mexico, and the shape of the Gulf mm-hmm. of Mexico makes a lot more sense f- for that description because it's way more crescent shaped than the Euphrates and the Tigris river. So, uh, yeah, you know, of course they explain the, you know, oh, the water was much higher during those times. So maybe there was a crescent back then, but either way, you just corroborated this same claim that there's some kind of symmetry between the, uh, you know, North American continent and what we think of as the biblical world. The Garden of Eden, even.
5: I want to show you this map. I'm going to see if I can find it in the. Uh, here it is in the email that this this kid sent me. This kid emailed me. He's really interesting. He's a plays the tabla, which is like an Indian instrument, right? So this is mm. the map he showed me, right? Which makes Texas Egypt. Wow. Okay. Right which makes the West Coast Israel. No wonder I didn't like it (laughs) on some level, right? But, um, you know, like this is, I had never heard of this before and he is Indian but was born and raised here in Texas and he just loves it here and finds it like amazingly magical and mystical and started talking about it in some ways that like actually reminded me of like weird thoughts and visions I've had. Like, I think that there are pyramids under the river and lake here in downtown austin right i th- I don't know if they're physical pyramids or energetic pyramids right but we also have this building that like if i showed you the land the cityscape at night all lit up there's an angle you can look at it from that makes it look like the giza plateau and i was up on the roof one night showing this everyone's like what the fuck are you talking about i'm like come over here and look and if you look from this angle, you're like, holy fucking shit, there's a pyramid over here and a pyramid over here and one here. It's exactly the fucking same arrangement, right?
1: Yeah, when you uh, showed us that image of the skyline, I almost thought maybe the architects had colluded together to create one shape out of the many different shapes, you know? Because really what you're looking at is like three-dimensional shapes from different perspectives creating new sort of two-dimensional shapes. So I'm sure they had some kind of forethought of that, seeing Chicago and New York City and all these other cities being built up probably before Austin became what it became uh, and had some forethought on that. But the other thing that you mentioned really early on was the aquifer, the Edwards aquifer, and to connect that back to what you just showed us, uh, Peter Shampoo, Michael Juan introduced us all too, um, he talked about how civilizations tend to build where there's limestone. So to that point, maybe there's some sort mm-hmm. of old architecture down there that's uh, really what's going on in this so-called aquifer because they talk about caves and whatnot being near that Barton Springs.
5: There's definitely caves. There's like Hamilton Pool and there's there's different caves. There's also a lot of very interesting step pyramids like built into like the side shore of the uh of like the trail around the the lake the river right and a lot of them have these like weird sewer entrances that like i'm fully convinced that if i went in like people people don't go in because they think it's like going to be a sewer in there like i think there's like some other uh, if you guys have seen the movie the congress there's like this like grotto that's in like the underwater territory in like the weird cartoon realm that they live in. Like I'm sure there's something like that under downtown Austin. There's like this whole other reality where mm-hmm. the people know and like dimensional travel go to like do their stuff. If you actually look that uh, map that I showed you of the Gateway area, I just want to show you because this is kind of a fascinating um, part of it, right? If you go up to the Gateway area here let's open the screen share so you can see they're trying to create one that they control right so what's actually up here it's not showing on this version there is right up here there's this is called stone lake and this area is called quarry right so there's a little oh. bit of limestone in the water i can't it's weird on the other map it was showing this let me see if it shows when i do it's it called on
2: the Quarry. Map.
5: Yeah. Look. Okay. Here you. Uh, let's because see. Because
2: if it's a limestone deposit, it could at one point have been just a pile of rubble. There you go. It was uh, destroyed. Um,
5: stone Lake. You no know, piece okay. of
2: infrastructure.
5: Shit. It's not. It's, every time I open the map, it shows me like a their quarry, Stone Lake, right above the Gateway, yeah, right
2: there. Hand in hand names. They're basically almost the, the same type of name. And Hard Rock Canyon. <laughs> bunch Kenya, of, over bunch there too. of stone.
0: Yeah. Oh wow. Snow-
5: So, yeah. So I think that that is, I think there's just, you know, the way Colorado river runs through here and there's all of this underground water too, these aquifers, right? Like I think it's much deeper than people think. Like I think it could even be like people go missing in the lake and they don't really look very hard for them, which is weird. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't really look for very hard. I can't find any, like, reports of, like, you know, people who got, went missing into the lake and their bodies were found. It's like they look for five minutes and then they stop. And you're not supposed to swim in the lake downtown here. And the story they give is, like, a bullshit story, in my opinion. I think there's, like, a Bermuda When Triangle. it comes
2: to crime and water, like, what I've noticed, just, like, having kind of, like, looked into these things, I have a big interest in, like, missing persons cases and things because I've actually come across items and I've been questioned – uh I was a question. I was the one who called the police on items that I found when I was living in Hawaii of an experienced diver who left all of her gear on the land for one flipper. And they claimed her lost at sea. But I found her phone and I found all of her items and belongings. And there's no possible way that this experienced diver would go out with one flipper alone while she's waiting for a friend Hold to die. Are you so smelling toast noticed... right
1: now? What are you talking about, Roman? Where, where does this have to do I'm with serious, she, what yeah. she was just saying, though? Well, I'll tell you what it has to do. When it, it comes it, to it legal,
2: what it, it does. comes to, what we define as law, And like when they look in the water, what they'll oftentimes do because they one don't are never going to spend the money and resources on what it takes to actually investigate the water and to look for missing bodies. They'll rather just say that they're lost in the water and then cap it at that and not use any more resources and then give, you know, that's basically the end of the condolences. So um, just in general, like when it comes to law and water, it's just like. So it's like maritime law. It's like they don't really have jurisdiction when it comes to the water. So it all ends are almost cut at that
5: point. Well, it's like, kind of also like the David Politis thing. Like all these people go missing in the national parks and they don't keep records of it. What else do we find in a lot of these national parks? Rocks, certain kinds of stones, sometimes bodies of water, and all of these like weird temporal and spatial distorted things happening. Bases underneath them, like the underground base map and David Politis' map line up one-to-one in the same way that Pindar map lines up with Austin. And, you know, I'm 100% that there's definitely a base, and in, in my opinion, particle accelerator underneath Austin, which is, I think, what is it, a lot of these bases. Um, but the uh, people go missing in the water, and they know the people that go missing in the water pretty much are not coming back. Right. And they just don't even deal with it. And just recently there was a really weird plane crash into the river and it was a person who worked for parks and rec. And they were like, they were completely confused. They had no idea what happened. They lost all sense of space and time in that area. And it was really weird. I was running on the trail when it happened. Like I saw the crash happen. Michael and I covered it in a show, but what's interesting is I found this hotel right, that I've been obsessed with. It's a new hotel that's right in the area near Zilker Park and near the Doug Som Hill that I've talked about that like, I saw it being built and I thought it was an apartment building and I started to be, I wanted to live there. And I told Laura this like five times one day that like, I want to live in that building. I want to live in that building. I don't know why I want to live in that building. And I went home and I found out that it's not an apartment building, it's a hotel, right? So I booked us a, and, and, and I had booked us a reservation, at that hotel at uh, the restaurant, right? And then somehow mysteriously, like it, it worked, like I had done this show with JJ where I was looking at the Austin Skitty skyline and comparing it to musical instruments, right? So I went and I looked at this rest the hotel's pictures and there's a picture on their website that gives exactly the view, which is why I would have wanted to live there. You can view all of the things. This is that building, look at that shit. That looks like an accordion or a keyboard, right? Look at that. Mm-hmm, and some mm-hmm. of these buildings, like, I have this a step, step pyramid. Step pyramid When you look at it, I live to this side over here to the east. From over here, it looks like the Giza Plateau. From a closer angle, it looks like a step pyramid. Here, it looks like some sort of, like, accordion or musical device. Some of these buildings, there's one that you can't see on here based on its location, but this one, a lot of these buildings look like harmonicas. Some of them, I've been doing some research on um, ancient and esoteric instruments that people know very little about. And a lot of these buildings look like the shapes of some of the instruments. So from this restaurant that is at this hotel that I wished was an apartment because I wanted to look at the city from that angle, there is this picture that displays everything I'm saying. This right here, look at this one. This is behind the power plant. The power plant is right there. This looks like um, bagpipes or pipe organs or something like that, right? Like there's all this crazy stuff here. And to me, the buildings look like graphic equalizers and genetic marker Test. If you guys have ever seen a PCR test, that's what these buildings look mm-hmm. like. And I talked about this with Roman on the show we did. It'll be out shortly. um But what's really interesting about this Lorraine Hotel, the Lorraine Hotel, it has one other location. So it looks at this area of the water that I'm talking about. Look, you can see that bridge right there with the graffiti that I showed you guys, right? You see it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So it looks at that area of the water. The plane crash was just over here. It has one other location. Do you know where the other location of their hotel is? Bermuda. What's in Bermuda? The triangle. The triangle. Uh,
2: Bermuda Triangle. A lot of, <laughs> lot of crashes and be- missing peoples and water mysteries. Hmm. And tax Absolutely. shelters.
5: So magical, musical, interdimensional <laughs> Austin. <laughs> right. Um, the thing I had said about OTO, Mark, mm. like I see the word Templar and temple as really temp- temporal, mm. temporal, having to do with time and orientation. Yeah. Right. And, and tempo. So- in, te- in tempo there as well right and i mean think about that's what music is about is about you know keeping time keeping a rhythm keeping a tempo it pace is. so all of the there's a reason austin is the live music capital of the world and it isn't just because they play the music here the city itself literally is musical it responds mm-hmm. to the rhythms and the sounds and the vibrations that are generated and if you're in harmony with this city, you can work it the same way a conductor works a symphony, or a DJ works the turntables and the sound system, and all that kind of stuff. It's a magical musical city. So that's Austin. I love it. I, I, if you know, I if it if it isn't convincing, I hope at least it was entertaining. That this is the way that I sort of see see uh, Austin. It's I can experience, uh, you know mystical toponymy and the quote unquote gateway experience and sort of physical location and um i would love to have any or all of you guys come visit me sometime and i will time travel you around the lake and we can make up stories about what's going on which is my favorite thing
4: (laughs) do you think so do you think then that austin is designed like to emit a certain frequency like all these cities seem to be but specifically austin for like this like orchestral kind of um
5: yeah i think that i think that um austin is so i think some of this is just austin like the culture responding to what the location is and what the location does right and then there's like learning how to work the metaphysics of that and i think that like these musical cities are not just musical because a certain style or sound was developed there. I think there is like, like, when I, I'm, you know, I'm building out this narrative and hopefully I'm going to do some shows with one. We're going to get into this too, but that, the, there are many Austins, there are invisible versions of Austin that are accessed through these buildings that I refer to as interdimensional architecture that he may call Pythagorean palaces, but they are the connection between the dimensions and that music, sound, light, color, and vibration, which are all part of both the uh, Stargate experience of you know, the MK ultra anechoic chamber, light sound vibration kind of thing that is everywhere. Also part of like the musical and the rave and whatever kind of scene that these are the like stimulatory effects that create that the ability for that experience. So I see these buildings as being instruments that are either creating, some of them creating, others like measuring or responding to sound and frequency. And that you'll, theoretically, I think a person who really knows how to survey Austin will be able to like look at the city and understand where they can go that day.
1: Wow. Wow, that's fantastic. We definitely have to have you back on for another dive into this. I mean, there's so much to continue to talk about. Chad, Roman, any final questions before we wrap up?
0: Uh, just, uh, thank you, Emily. That was absolutely awesome. Man, talking about interdimensional architecture and past, present, future, temp- tempo, temporal, Austin. I mean, thank <laughs> you. Thank you. You can see your passion really shine through tonight. It was awesome.
5: Thank you for having me, Um, you know, Romy and Mark. Mark, I only know you a little bit. I've just had a little bit of interaction and I just got to know you a little bit, Romy. But Chad, you know, like you're one of the people in this whole whatever the fuck it is that we're in that I hold in the highest regard. Like I remember the day that I found your work and it opened up. Like a whole other world for me. So, anything with you, anywhere, anytime, <laughs> for all the time, uh, I appreciate you and I'm so inspired you, by it. your work and glad that you're finally doing a regular recurring podcast with other people. And, you know, like, yeah. And, you know, I, I will always do shows with you. I love having you on mine, but I think you, um, in a different way than a lot of, you know, we have a lot of wonderful synchro mystics. And geomancers in our realm, we know a lot of them. We're fortunate to know people like Michael and, and whatever, but you have your own way that you do it. And it's the one that's been the most inspirational to me. So thank you. Well,
0: thank you, Emily. Thank you.
4: (laughs) Thanks, Emily. Um, I we didn't get to talk much or I didn't talk much, but, um, when Mark and I talked to you last year, I think with Mm -hmm. Mike, like, that one time i was really inspired by your work and energized by it too um yeah so i want to i just want to say thanks for existing and being a divine channel of texas or austin <laughs> well thank
5: you that's awesome that, that that feels nice and um yeah I, I i think i found like my spot like both where i live and just like the topic That I'm really most interested in. It doesn't mean I won't talk about other things, um, but I'm to the with what's going on in the world. Like I almost think that for me, anyway, almost everything else other than this is a waste of time, right? Because like we're here now, we have these locations, and um, it's the answer to like if if you don't like what's like going on in this layer of the cake, if you know how to get to the other layer, (laughs) like you go ahead, right? So. Um, you know, this is um, this is my passion and I feel like this is something that puts us in the driver's seat of the experiences that we want to have instead of just reacting to, you know, some other nonsense. And it's it's interesting, like even if some of the things don't turn out to be accurate or true, it was really fun exploring them and talking about them and gaining a new perspective on the city that I live in forever. When I look at it now, Absolutely. it looks like a music box. It looks like a musical symphony or something, some sort of like music making machine. In my case, it's electronic. Right. But it's like this city is making a sound that is making magic things happen. Right. And, mm. and I think that's like fascinating. I just love that. I didn't get it the first time I lived here. I felt it. Like I was responding to it, but I didn't understand it. Now I understand it.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. And I, appreciate you helping us understand it i think we ought to have you back on soon to get into that violet crown and maybe expand on how that connects and even go into your experiences in la we've only done one episode in california and it's about time uh roman tells us a little bit about where he's from too so we're going to be talking about california soon i hope but uh This has been a really fun episode. Very long. Apologies for the disconnection there. I don't know what happened. There was a little hiccup, but we're all connected now. Uh, So until next time, folks listening, please get in touch with us if you'd like to join us on the show and talk about wherever you are located in this esoteric America. And until next time, enjoy the trip and happy exploring. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Red Rabbit of breakfast. breakfast. I'm a golden fatted calf. I was born and raised, born and raised in the Briar Path. All illusions are phenomenon There's an echo of a rooster laugh I had a dream I was falling off a cliff And I'm falling through the air Straight and still And if I had a pebble in my shoe I must have just forgot him And I woke up right before I hit the bottom My way back to Bo-